This is episode 33. I'm Nick, sitting in for Dan again this week. And uh, other than Dan being out again, he's uh, he's doing well, but you know, still continues to recover. Uh, working on making his way back to us, as you heard uh, an episode or two ago. Uh, but also with me this week, I got Rob. Yo, what's crapping in there? And uh, Scott's with us. It's a conspiracy. Save Dan. I think I'm next. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, Devin, don't worry, we'll take Devin out way before you, Scott. Okay, cool. What, why me? <laughs> you fuck! What the fuck did I do? What didn't you do, Devin? What didn't I do? <laughs> uh, that's a long list. <laughs> yeah, it usually <laughs> includes things like work, study, pay attention, long list, big list. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> you fly too good. Wow. You can't be just assume that? Ouch. This is the earliest we've ever attacked Evan in an episode. <laughs> I, feel, I feel personally attacked by Scott. We should take him out. Good. Take him out, yep. Don't worry, we're going to say nice things about you later in the episode, I promise. There's nice things? There's, there's like one nice thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, oh, when I call you a fruit, I really enjoy mm. fruit. Do you enjoy eating fruit? <laughs> no. Do you, do you uh, like salad, Scott? I like throwing it away. No, he doesn't like salad. He he only likes the butt. Just the butt. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Speaking of butts, Devin, how was your week? (laughs) My week? Yeah. Yeah, sure. What have you been up to? Uh, Let me think. Well, not much. Last week, uh, it was pretty nice. It It was pretty warm. It was like in the mid 60s. But... I didn't actually go flying because it was raining and like 40, like 40 mile an hour winds. Um, Ew. And we just so happened to have four tornadoes in one night. So that's hard to fly in that, dude. Good good on you for shelving those for the night. Yeah, yeah. that's that's funnel practice. That's funnel practice. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Sorry. My bad. I didn't mean to create those. Whoops. That's how they invented the hurricane. (laughs) No, no. Just trying to hover. (laughs) <laughs> right exactly so it wasn't exactly well it was nice but it wasn't like nice because of the rain yeah. kind of like you nah fuck it yeah like it, you could walk outside and be like wow it's shorts and t-shirt weather if it wasn't raining cats and dogs yeah sucky yeah so i didn't get to do much flying um at all it was mostly just wrenching on stuff getting i got my trailer almost ready for spring fling so that is going good i got i got it got the small one uncovered so we could take that to the field and down in south jersey where we fly and now i just gotta work on the big one so get that ready for the trip in three weeks so that's some work i gotta do to that I, i i really just 
didn't do any flying. It's so upsetting. I I took most of the weekend and uh, worked on my my truck. I put a brake controller in it for the trailer. And today I spent most of the day buffing and waxing my car or the truck. Funny, make it <laughs> shiny. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Car, truck, truck, car, whichever. Truck, I yeah, truck. People call it a truck, I guess. Um, Is so it a I truck did, or a car? It's a truck. Okay. It's it a makes truck. me look small, you know, even though I am. Um, yeah. So I, I buff and wax that today. Got some scratches out of it. Make it look shiny for the trip. And um, but that's about it, really. Um, there was a good. It was a good night on Friday. Um, uh, did some talking with a couple of guys in the Freefall Discord that they have, where all, everybody just comes together to have a chat from all the podcasts. Had a good night there. Was talking till like Wait. four o'clock in the morning. Does that still going on Friday nights? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that. Good yeah, for those guys. It's still going on. There was, a, there was a bunch of people in there having a good time and uh, just talking about the, uh, the future for the summer and events that everyone's planning on to. But another like week news is this weekend. Officially, I don't know if you want me to save this to the news or not. But, if it's the thing, then you should save it for the thing where we do tell the things about things that happened. I will save it for the things where things happen for the things. I got you. Hold your thing, yeah. Evan. Yeah, I got my thing in my hand. Oh, my God. Perfect. Just hold on tight. <laughs> I'm holding tight. Why is your fist so small? <laughs> uh, but Wow. <laughs> but when I go over that, got some pretty big and exciting news for myself and for everyone else, I hope that happened this week. And uh, but yeah, it's been a pretty good week today. It was like sixty something degrees, really nice and sunny. It's great. Wednesday, I'm hoping maybe I can squeak out to one of the local uh, fields around here and go flying because it is going to be seventy five here in New Jersey. Nice. Oh yeah. So um, hopefully, maybe I could uh, squeak out before I have to go to class to get. Some flying in, just ditch class. I, yeah. I wish, I wish. <laughs> no, seriously, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty nice week. The weather it's been warm, but it's been raining, and it's the raining. It's spring, you know. It rains everywhere during the spring, so maybe where you live. Yeah, it's it's big. It's big where I live. Rain, the water, and the stuff. You know, it's been pouring here a lot too. So you're not alone. Yeah, well, no, because it was funny. I was on the Discord on Friday, and somebody was talking to me. They're like, it's absolutely pouring. I'm like, oh, that's the storm that's about to hit me in, like, three hours. And three hours later, like, it just started downpouring. And, uh, yeah, and then it was like that most of the weekend. It was pretty nice Sunday. Sunday was pretty nice, mid-60s again, sunny. But I spent the day getting ready for events, as I said, so productive weekend of kind of hobby side not heli directly like working on helis or anything but getting just prepared for the summer so i i say it was a good weekend yeah man at least you don't have to do that on a day that's nice out you can go fly instead yeah exactly exactly so that's it was good productive weekend and that's all i got to say for this week so far nice nice yeah i had a i had a good weekend too in the end i uh i got home on friday uh, from Philadelphia, and I just got destroyed in Philadelphia work-wise. Just, we worked around the clock. There was not a lot of sleep to be had, and 
like usually most of my wrenching and tinkering time is at night after the kids are in bed and I went to bed like I could barely get the kids in bed before I went to sleep so like they went to bed at 8:30 and I was out by 8:45 for like two nights until I recovered but I did manage to get into the workshop I don't know Saturday night something like that um I should be starting the nitro build but this scale helicopter build has kind of been like grabbing my attention so I I mucked around yeah. with trying to fit these electronic retracts which are really airplane retracts so I got out the Dremel and I'm literally like shaving plastic off of the side of the retract, <laughs> trying to get it to fit where I want it to and like rounding some of the corners to get it to fit into the fuselage and stuff. So yeah, um, nice. That's been uh, a really enjoyable labor of love. I bet little, little custom engineering on the, on the retracts. That's kind of neat, man. I saw that video you and Brian put out. That's, that's uh, that was pretty cool. Oh, thanks. I'm glad you, uh, you got a chance to check that out. Yeah. We had a lot of fun making that man and it's actually doing really well. It's uh yeah. I don't know, it's crossed a thousand views in the first day. So uh on the heli side of things, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, totally, man. Scale scale helis, man. They're so cool, man. I, I'm excited for your build, dude. I, I like hearing about it. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm excited about it too. I'm, you know, I'm still waiting on some stuff. Uh, you know, the first four blade head came in and it's huge. It's way too big. Really? It says five fifty to six hundred size. I think it's more like six to seven hundred size. You know, Ooh. this is like a cheap Chinese four blade head I bought off uh Amazon. So I'm going to return that, and I've ordered a different one that should be a little smaller uh, to try that. So waiting on that to come in now. Um, You're going to get so, a 250 you know. size head. <laughs> You're like, I'm damn it. The smallest four-blade head for a 10-millimeter uh, main shaft. So that's, that's the goal. Yeah, nice. Um, so, you know, slow progress there, but still a lot of fun. And I'm working on canopy magnets and things and, you know, just little details before I get anywhere close to mounting the mechanics. So managed to tinker with that a little bit uh i did however get out to fly on sunday uh, which was awesome uh, my son and i went out to uh hilltop which is a field about 40 minutes away from here and nice. it was i should have paid more attention it was a sunday it was after 2 p.m and there was zero wind which meant it was like planker fest 2023 <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> and when those guys get together it is, uh, it's interesting. There were, I lost count after a while, at least four, but I think six airplanes way behind the flight line at different times. Oh, no. Because um, those guys just, you know, they cannot deal with a crosswind at all. They don't understand the concept of like, you know, all us heli guys are flying down the other end and we're all like, the, yes, the wind's blowing towards us, but we're all keeping the helis out and bailing from maneuvers when the heli starts to come a little, you know, closer to the flight line than we'd like. These guys are like going 20 feet behind the flight line. We're like, come yeah. on. Dudes. They're like, I'll just save that. Okay, just hang on. <laughs> but at one point, and I guess we should have taken this as a sign, all of the plankers land except for this one guy who gets out this giant, like, I don't know, 60, 70 inch P40 FPV <laughs> airplane. Oh, shit. And uh, <laughs> we're like, what's going on? And they're like, nobody go up. Just, just hold on a second. This guy is all over the sky. He's flying at like absolute stall speed, keeps losing control authority. And it goes like this huge lap behind the flight line and everyone's yelling. And then he comes around again, trying to set up for a landing and ends up essentially, you know, there's a, there's a flight line fence. And then about 20 feet further back, there's a row of tables all the way down the flight line. And in that alleyway between the fence and the table, the guy does a strafing pass about six to four feet off the deck. Dang. Everybody scatters. Yeah, um, strafing pass. Everyone's yelling heads up. Literally, 
I grabbed my son, my eight-year-old son, by the arm, and we ran to get behind my car. Holy Because I had no idea where this thing was going to go. And he's like, you know, he's never seen me run, grab him, and just rip him in one direction before. <laughs> so he's oh like, my what God. the heck's going on, Dad? And I was like, Planker's going to plank, kid. <laughs> <laughs> Planker's got a plank. So. He Sounds was like he didn't scared. know where he was going either, man. Shit, he was yeah. trying to fly that big ass thing FPV. The guy ended up like kind of crashing. I think he got it. He bounced it sort of over the flight line fence and back onto the runway. Anyway, he eventually crashed on the runway, but it was way too close to way too many people, and it was just <laughs> one of those way. like you just you just didn't fly or unless somebody was watching what was going on behind you. Um, and you know, I had this. Yeah. Somebody on, on the Facebook group for, the, for the, the field was like, oh, it was a great time on Sunday. It was awesome to see so many people out. And I was like, but it wasn't so awesome to see so many airplanes behind the flight line. And they were like Ooh. defending it. They're like, it's okay, man. We all yelled heads up when it happened. And I was like, like, yeah, sure. This, yeah, like, is this rule just a suggestion? Like, should we take a 700 size heli behind the flight line? And as long as we all heads up, it's okay? Like, hell no. So... I was uh, I was not impressed with that at all. <laughs> yeah, planks versus helis. Uh. Yeah. So, although actually at this field we get along great. Ninety-nine times out of hundred, there's no issues. We always fly together at the same time. We generally try and be respectful, and we wait till all the plankers land, and then we go up and kind of go for a little while, and then we let them have a turn. You know, everybody is usually chill, but there's also never usually this many people there at the same time. So, you know, I haven't seen more yeah. than maybe six people there max at the same time in forever. And there were 20 some people there at least. Uh, so it was a busy day. Yeah. Everybody's shaking off cabin fever. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was my week. Just got to fly Sunday. Uh, the rest of it has been just about, you know, it's a little bit of tinkering. I, I got to figure out when I have time to start the nitro build. Cause I, you know, I hate to like touch it for an hour or two. I like to like dig in for a chunk. So at least for the first <laughs> part. So uh, yeah. <laughs> I said nothing. <laughs> uh, your chuckle said it all. All right. Well, anyway, that's uh, that's it for me. Rob, Scott, what do you guys got? Who's going, Rob? Rock, paper, scissors. Rock. I'll go. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, my, I, I got some flying in this week too. I didn't have to dodge any plankers or anything like that, which is cool. But you know, to to speak to your comment about them flying behind the flight line. A couple of weeks ago, there was a guy that showed up in my little empty development where I go fly sometimes, and he had he was flying airplanes. And dude, I noticed the same thing. Like I, you know how it is. It's just second nature. You you go to wherever you're going to fly, and you pick a particular direction. You're like that direction is off limits to people. This direction is off limits to helis, kind of thing, right? And you go and fly. But this guy's just like, I'll fly in any direction at any distance from anywhere in 360 degrees from me. And he just was flying behind me, behind, uh, in front of me, off to the side, above me. So I had to spend a lot of time just paying attention, you know what I mean? And luckily for me, then at that time, I, was, I only had like one or two packs left when I, by the time he showed up, you know. So we didn't do a lot of cross-flight necessarily, but that was one of the first things that I noticed. I was like, yeah, there, there's the flanker just flying everywhere. There's no like rhyme or reason there. Now, granted, we're rogue flying, right? And, and if he was there by himself, that might be different. But even me by myself, when I'm flying by myself, I, I make a point to deliberately choose an imaginary line that I don't pass as a rule, you know, and whatever. I mean, I don't know. That, that's my spiel on that. You know, stay on the other side. Stay on the no person side of the flight line. Just whatever. Yeah. You know? doesn't matter what you're flying. Just stay on that side. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Any, anyway, 
So yeah, I got to do a little flying actually this last Sunday. Well, I did a few flights here and there through the week in my backyard. Just I, I don't really treat those as anything more than just putting the heli in the air and just get to do a couple of little loops and this and that here and there. But um, on Sunday, I took my uh, T-Rex 600 and my Goblin 570 out to that cul-de-sac development area. And um, Devin, you had mentioned last time, you like, you got to get a get that on film and so i was like you know just in case i'm gonna bring my hat cam and so i recorded a bunch of my flights and just trying to figure out relearn how to do because i used to do hat cam footage all the time but trying to relearn how to set up the camera that way and so i posted one on youtube but it's not you can't you know i gotta figure out how to zoom it better because i've got my uh it's it's a gopro session right so i've got it set up uh, to try to get it zoomed as close as i can without going to four three um, but even then, you know, the, I'm not comfortable flying close enough to myself to make it super exciting looking yet. Right. So I have to fly kind of far out. So now I got to figure something out where I can maybe zoom in or maybe turn up the bit rate so I can maybe edit and like digitally zoom into the heli a little better. I don't know, but it, in any case, I still had a lot of fun and putting the hat cam on my head didn't really like throw off my game too much. Actually, I feel like it maybe made it a little better. Um, uh, you know, I was able to do a lot of the things I was doing in the sim in the air, you know, over the winter. So that practice has been working, working well, you know, um, I'm able to sustain a lot of, um, high collective, you know, medium pitch maneuvers like TikToks and pyros and, uh, on axis barrel rolls and this and that, you know, just some hard sports stuff that I was doing and dude, having a great time. And I had a couple of instances where. Uh, you know, I, I dumb thumbed it and you had to do your correction and I was maybe a half a trick too low and I didn't crash, you know, but still it's one of them ones where you're like, Oh shit. Um, but, uh, it was a good time, you know, good, good shake out. And yeah, I threw on some tunes on my, on my phone and just flew to some old school nineties hip hop and shit like that. It was a good ass time, dude. Um, but, uh, um, that's, that's really the extent of my heli fly and I still have yet to, uh, knock on that's not wood but still have uh i haven't had any crashes at all yet since i started the podcast except well okay i have i i oh now you went you're you're toast now we're gonna see what happens so i'm just gonna go all the way in here so i had to crash on the t-rex 500 uh i think i bound up one of the servo links links on the canopy or something i don't know but it crashed and i repaired it my X5, I was flying backwards, and um, if you guys recall, I, I had mentioned that there was a boom strike in the tail, like a little uh, dent on the tail boom when I got it back out of storage. And I was like, you know what, that looks fine. I'll fly on it. And it it broke, right? Um, uh, so I've only had the two crashes, right? And I'm hopeful that I, I won't have another one soon, soon. Okay, that's wood. All right, so I'm not going to crash... Um, but if I did, then I, you know, I've, I've got enough spares to fix it or whatever, but I've been doing pretty good at maintaining, you know, doing the once overs and stuff on the helis just to make sure something's not coming loose or anything weird like that. You know what I mean? But so yeah, had a good time flying yesterday. Um, got a little, uh, content, you know, made a, a YouTube video and posted it. It's nothing great, but, uh, I, I want to do more of those cause it's fun to do. I even took, a um, another I have this uh, spare Goblin 570 tail boom and I strapped my camera mount on there and I'm trying to get one of my kids to come out there and just shoot my heli, you know, like you know, hold it up like a rifle and just aim at the heli so you can track it better. But I, I haven't got one of them to do that yet. So 
maybe I'll get one of the local guys to come fly, come flow, rogue fly with me and he can film for me or something. And I don't know, figure out how to zoom in or something. So anyway, that was a lot of neat fun. I had a good time. Uh, got my heli flying in. Um, oh, hey, a Nick too. Another thing that I started to do. So I've got this like um, kind of torn up Gowie 200 I've been talking about here and there, right? And I also have this old MD500 can, uh, fuselage for it that I was waiting to do something. It's, it's kind of got the glass in the front. It's cracked or the plastic, you know what I mean? I had had it built before and crashed it and took it apart. Um, but I started putting that back together, dude. Like, it's not going to be like, I mean, shit, Nick, the thing you're doing is like an order of magnitude better than what I'm doing. But still, I'm putting my scale, can, my scale fuselage back on my old ash like hobbled together Gowie 200 and um i got it all together but i realized that the way i set up the head on that with that t-rex 450 tail hub in there it's super low like i've got like an maybe an inch between the blade the disc and the top of the um fuselage and that's just not enough so i got to figure something out i think i got some longer shafts somewhere maybe so stay tuned for more weird antics on that it's just going to be no bar with the tail gyro and heavy like a dog and it it won't have scale skids in it because i'm going to like graph some probably some uh um skids either from the gowie 200 or maybe the oxy 2 skids look more like uh what it would be normally and they're bigger too so i might just frankenstein some of that on there just to see but and I don't have a tail fin for it, so I'm going to try and uh, like custom fab a tail fin, some sort of weird ass tail fin for it. But so yeah, that's going to be like super janky. It's going to be my super janky Gowie 200 MD500 like zombie uh, reincarnated uh, scale build. Rob, <laughs> I want to I want to hear more about how you're going to get your shaft longer. I'm just going to grab on and pull. There you go. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Um. Yeah, it's kind of cool taking inspiration off of Nick. There you go, getting your scale bird back together. Maybe yeah. a slight retirement for the old beast. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I can't really fly it, and it's in the three D form necessarily. No bar, and I figure if I stick it in the fuselage, the whole thing will be a little bit heavier, so the controls will be a little bit more deliberate, you know. And um, it'll run on two blades and just cook the two my two cell packs because it runs on a two cell battery. I might change the power train, but I'm not trying to go balls deep on it. You know, I'm just trying to put some shit from this box that I have all together and just see if I can make it nerdy fly. You know what I'm saying? No, it sounds awesome. I can't wait to hear more about it. So yeah, can I ask, why are you going no bar? No bar. Yeah, why are you going no bar? Because, well, one, I don't have any other FCs to put in it except the old GU365. You can Google that to figure out what kind of a monster that is. Um, or... Um, just run no bar and so i'm gonna run no bar because that's how i started fly barless and i ain't scared especially uh -huh. for scale okay yeah make sure you film that i know right by then i'll be a veteran hat cam wearer so i'll know to stare directly at the crash carnage as it's happening rather than look away you, or any of that you, you know you basically just said in the same episode you taunted the crash gods and said you're gonna put a heli in the air with no fbl <laughs> <laughs> bring it on Meanwhile, he said crash like five times too many, so. I, I did, I did. <laughs> no. Just get ready for I told you so, it's coming. <laughs> Hopefully we don't need it. All right, Scott, what do you got this week? 
Um, I did helicopter things. Uh, I got a new kit. I don't know if I said that. The um, Tron Nitro 90 arrived. Fuck yeah, nice. dude. Nice. Hell yeah, so I'm hoping I can get that built maybe this weekend. I was hoping to have it built before the kit released to the public, but I'm a loser, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> He's slowpoke. I know. Dude, it's so hard with the kid. Like, yeah, I keep is. thinking I have time, and I don't have time. And there's so many projects that like stack up, and I'm like, I have all the time in the world, and then it's Monday morning again. Mm-hmm. So, we'll get there. Um, I know I'm going to get play hose this weekend because it's Easter Sunday, and Thursday's my wife's birthday, so probably going to celebrate that on, on Saturday. So, let's say two weeks. I'll have it built in two weeks. What else am I doing? Oh, I finally bought a Neo. Nice. So I ordered what? a. What? I ordered ordered an Evo. Mm-hmm. So, uh, finally stopped spending money on RC cars long enough to buy a fly barless <laughs> unit. Oh, so you hadn't even ordered an Evo yet? No, dude, it's so oh, bad. Uh, I was I had nothing <laughs> capable, and like I sold the regular units in order to fund Evos, and then I mm-hmm. spent it on RC car shit. And I was like, what am I gonna do? Like, I I can't fly anything. So you guys in your boozy ass FBL shit, come on! Oh my god. Shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know when I'll get it, because I ordered it, like, what, last week? But I'm pretty sure the pre-order's going to come in, and they're all spoken for, I assume. So maybe I'll get batch two? I don't know. I'm hoping to get a flight in before December. Be <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> no idea what the truth is, so don't quote me on this, anybody. But I wouldn't be shocked if there's, like, extras in the first batch. In, in terms of the Neos. I don't yeah. think it's going to be extra transmitters, but I bet that you'll, yours will ship once they all come in. Yeah, that's a guess. I hope so. Don't quote me on that. Brian Barrow, don't yell at me. It's just my hopeful guess for Scott. Well, I heard that was official release news from the news person from RC Heli Nation, also direct from Heli Direct Marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Yep. No, I have, I have no official legal tie to Heli Direct, so I'm not officially in the marketing department. Agreed. You are fully legally responsible. Okay. Uh, so the next thing, <laughs> other than that, uh, I'm going to bore you guys with RC car shit too. I got mini Z's going at my local track. Um, there was a track that does a bunch of 10th scale racing and some oval track stuff and touring car racing. Well, I had bought two mini Z tracks, RCP foam tracks. And I literally was like, look, I will let you use this. I will come set it up every Thursday night if we can have some races once a week so nice every friday night now is mini z race night and more people are showing up than they did for touring car so far it's a hit they've got a bunch of mini z's in stock and they're selling off flying off the shelf so they're pretty thrilled i'm thrilled having a good time it's a cheap fun racing hobby it's the it's almost identical skill to racing the bigger stuff it's just shit doesn't break when you hit walls which is awesome but it's a real good time. We got Eric Shu into it. Um, we had Jason Bell racing last week. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, that was, it was solid. It was we had Scott rolling up in the RC car shop and just blowing it up over there in the last couple, <laughs> few months here. Holy shit. It's what he's I do, man. out there handing out free samples, and then he's going to really stick the needle in their arm and get them into helis. <laughs> Could you imagine? I, I should have like sold drugs growing up. <laughs> you'd be rich right now right because, yeah i'm like that's all i do is like I, I i get into a hobby i'm like this is cool and then i try and get as many people involved as possible and god could you imagine the money i could have if i was just you know like a heisenberg 
right? Yeah. See, you got to well, sell some altcoins now. Oh. I mean, it's not too late. You figured out how to mix nitro in your basement. I mean, it's not that big a stretch from there. True, yeah. true. Let's get some glass. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe rent a space to do it in you know you got the little one there yeah, an rv it'll be not at home <laughs> damn i've uh i don't think i've done a whole bunch else i did a bunch of painting um getting back in our exercise i went on a mountain bike ride which is great i haven't been in a while since i had covid so yeah, nice. it was real difficult to kind of roll back into that but did okay and then tonight i don't know why but finally got my ass outside and went for a run Wow, good yeah, for you. Miles before this show, and I, I feel pretty good. So here's to uh, trying to get not fat again. So I got down to, I think, 230 pounds last time I went dieting. Gained a little bit, but not nearly as bad as it was. Um, but if I lose another like 15 pounds, I'll be back to where I was and then see if I can't keep going. I think my target is to hit like 200. Yeah, buddy. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I really got to get on that train. So good for you, man. Hop on, choo choo. I should. I really got to start running again. I wish. Can you help me gain weight? Yeah, you guys should just trade some oh. with me and Devin. Uh, yeah, like yeah. I have the opposite issue, dude. You're how, how tall are you? I'm six foot. So I'm six three. What do you weigh? Uh, one forty four. One forty four. My God, dude. So Here's I'm yeah six foot three, and at my worst, I was two hundred and seventy, and that was when I was on like Team BK and stuff. So you see the photos. I'm kind of a chunky dude. And then now I'm 245, I think, somewhere around there. Now, I'd like to be 170, 160, somewhere around there. You need to be like 200 or 190. <laughs> you should try yeah, picking dude. up heavy things and putting them down and then picking them up and putting them down. Yeah, like I cheeseburgers. Mean, I mean, I do for, oh, well, f- f- you should see me eat cheeseburgers. <laughs> Damn. Yeah, you probably eat one slider and you're like, I'm full. No, I, I have <laughs> I had one kid that I was with, he watched me eat five cheeseburgers, just down them all the hatch, and he's like, where does it go? He watched you? That's some weird ASMR shit right there. Yeah. He was like, where does it go? I have, I'm so confused. A large fry and five cheeseburgers just gone. Bullshit. Damn. Absolute bullshit. No, it was true. The difference was, is um, it was German McDonald's, so it was a lot better. Wow, that's racist. Now the Royale with cheese. <laughs> I even look at a cheeseburger, I gain a pound. Yeah. yeah. And it helps that they sell beer over there, too, so you just flush it down with a beer. There you go. See, my thing, man, my metabolism is so freaking high, I feel like I lose weight just by sleeping. Like, burn calories just at rest. Yeah, I feel like Rob. I yeah. feel like I hate both of you. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> just wait. Give me 10 years. I'm sure I'll be stuck in a different boat. I can't wait. There you go. I can't Good wait time. to see Fat Devin. I'd be like, yo, bro, how's those five cheeseburgers treating you? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's how I'll feel. And I'll just be like, damn, I need to go on a run or go mountain. Eating five cheeseburgers will have the runs. Yeah, right. (laughs) I'll be like, all right, I'm going to eat these five cheeseburgers and then go on a run. That should negate it. So I'll be the same. Yeah. (laughs) Good Lord. Well. Before we go any further down this road, who knows where it's going to go. Has anybody got anything else to share before we uh, get into some news? Nope. All done talking about the runs. (laughs) I'm all... All Yeah, we're all done. Yeah. All right, Rob, Mm. take us in. It is time for the news. (laughs) The news. (laughs) 
this week we have a very special announcement. Our little boy's all grown up. He's all grown up. That's right. Our very own Devin McClellan has been named the team manager for the United States KST Servo Team. So congratulations to you, Devin. Yeah, buddy, dude. That's awesome. They're in in for a surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Starting with the RCHN crew free servo order, we'll be sending you our, uh, our order shortly there. Mm. (laughs) on the plus side uh, you can expect further durability from KST thanks to extensive crash testing (laughs) yeah I am a king at crash testing the gears will be on the titanium (laughs) right they'll be made out of Thor's hammer yeah there you go no seriously though congrats Devin Uh, to you on that one thank you what are you going to do with the team what's your plans what's the plans I Right now, I'm just trying to get everything a little bit organized because it's kind of all over the place, trying to figure out who's already on the team, everything like that, and then we'll go from there. Nice. I know. People think that's easy. That was actually one of the first tasks I got assigned when I joined HeliDirect was there's like 19 different lists of people, and I need you to make one list and figure out who's current and who's still in the hobby and, you know, all this stuff. So, yeah, that's it's quite the task. That's where I'm going to start and just try to get everyone organized and go from there. That's going to be a start. All right. So uh, moving on to some other news. So expected any minute, if not by the time this episode is released, uh, is the availability of the new SAB S series 721 millimeter blades. So currently they were only available in uh, 700 and 580, I believe. Uh, Oh, I guess there's some smaller sizes too for the 420. But I'm kind of excited about these as I really like the 700 size version of the S blades kind of a lot. I don't really have a helicopter really well suited to them though. Like I could put them on the logo, but my logo is kind of, you know, it just belongs with VTXs, honestly. And I don't really want it on my Puma. Like that helicopter on 6S is already super floaty. Anyway, if you got like a more standard 12S 700, I think these are going to be awesome blades for it. If you like stuff a little bit longer. Uh, I did wonder about maybe my raw three blade. Uh, talking to Bert at SAB USA, he said that there's no plans right now for them to release uh, match three blade sets, uh, and he thinks it would probably put way too high a load on uh, you know the ESC and motor, etc. Uh, a three blade 721 millimeter. So for now, they're only going to be released in two blade sets. Uh, but if you're in the market for maybe something a little longer and uh, want to reduce your disc loading just a little bit, definitely uh, check those out. They should be out any day now. All right, scam alert. Uh, and this is pretty obvious to most of us, but you know, since there was a little PSA online about it, I just want to mention it. So sometimes when you see a uh, helicopter from your favorite manufacturer or maybe a t-shirt from one of your favorite brands online with a place to plug in your credit card and it's really cheap, it's probably a scam. Uh, so SAB USA announced that goblin-us.com is a spoof slash scam website, meaning they will take your money and not actually send you a helicopter. Don't spend any of your well-earned pennies there as you will never get them back. Um, If you see a price that's too good to be true on a helicopter, it most likely is, especially if it's brand new in the box. So reach out to manufacturers directly. You can always confirm with the U.S. distributor or, you know, the brand directly or their headquarters, you know, uh, to get confirmation of who their distributors are or they're often mentioned on their main website. So just, you know, be smart, guys, and uh, don't spend money in stupid places. All right. I don't want to do this next part. I said I wouldn't do this next part, but here I am doing this next part. And wow. I don't want to, but I'm going to do it. I just saw it. <sighs> I got to talk about Mikado you. again. Yourself, man. I don't Ew. want to. But here we are again with Mikado taking over the news segment. 
But when it comes to safety, I just, I got to do it. Uh, it feels like an obligation. So Mikado this week shared that they now have the ultimate fix to the board spacing issue that we talked about uh, last week and the week before. Uh, so this latest fix takes care of all issues or concerns that anybody was worried about. Those issues include the location of the vibration motor being too close to one of the wiring harnesses, uh, the spacing between the boards around the speaker. Uh, some folks uh, were worried about adding a second battery and it being too tight after you add the spacer to the posts and it not leaving enough room. So what Mikado has done is they've sourced a new speaker, which was the cause of this whole thing. And it's a little bit shallower. So now you no longer need the spacers if you use this new speaker. It means that the vibration motor has more room around it and it solves any of the concerns that anyone had. Uh, you know, obviously the vibration motor, was that really a concern? I don't know. Mikado says, uh, no, it probably wasn't. but they want everybody to feel good about this. So to my European friends and those few sneaky United States people who managed to import one, and we know who you are, we're not naming names, but we know, you can just apply the shims to the five of the six posts and be okay. It is important to not shim the bottom right post as that's what makes sure your vibration motor has plenty of room to move and groove freely. You put a shim onto that vibration motor, it's going to be too close to the wiring harness uh, above it. So for those of you awesome individuals like myself, uh, patiently waiting one of these radios in the United States, or new purchasers in Europe, we can laugh at all the early adopters and rest comfortably knowing our radios will include all of the updates to them. So any radio coming to the United States through Mikado USA in the first batch will have this new speaker in. It'll have all of the fixes applied and none of us need to worry about anything. If you were in Europe in the first batch or one of the early adopters in the US who sneakily got one, and you've done the fix with the spacers, you're fine. No need to send the radio back to Mikado, but you certainly can. The important thing is, is don't fly the radio unaltered. <clears throat> you know, make sure that you've applied one of the two fixes. Either you have one of the fixed batches, you've sent it back to Mikado, or you put the shims in uh, yourself. Uh, US supply is still expected to arrive stateside April 15th with all of the fixes in place. Again, all of the fixes are in place for the US orders. Don't sweat them. They'll be good to go. Uh, with that, I swear I'm not going to talk about it again. I hope uh, that promise is also worth exactly what you paid for it. Scary. I don't think it really is. I mean, it was scary when it was shutting down the radios, for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, at the beginning, but, yeah. And I get it. And, and honestly, I applaud Mikado for just saying, you know what, like, a shim fix is a little weird. It doesn't, you know, give people as much confidence as saying, like, we've sourced a new part. It more than solves the problem. We've stopped shipping. We're fixing them all paused everybody's orders i was talking to another distributor in europe because maybe i might have been trying to sneak one into the united states no i would never do that never oh, you, um, know, you know who you yourself are and uh all orders were halted so my order's still coming yeah. through the the official one in the u.s but i had talked to some folks who had snuck one in and i was asking about that process um for the news you know for research purposes yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> um, for sure anyway it is good that they're doing that because i tell you what like if if you were to come across this and, and and say that they chose not to stop the orders and remanufacture this thing so that it's built right, I mean I would be a little peeved if I was told that my you know thousand dollar set of gear that I just bought I had to shim it up so one of the circuit boards is crooked, you know, and so that stuff doesn't touch. I'd be like, what the fuck, you know? So but they're fixing it, so that's proper, you know. You got to do that, man. Especially yeah. for a high dollar item like this, you know? Yeah, and, and I got to say, everybody knows, well, maybe not, but 
most folks, I think, have an impression that I'm pretty anal and careful about a lot of things as far as that goes. And I feel 100% confident in, in this radio arriving in the United States is going to be good to go. Um, yeah, yeah. I got zero reservations. So, all right, moving on. So, YGE ESCs was seen in the wild, or at least on Facebook, showing that they've been testing a 12-volt system in partnership with KST Servos. So, Mr. U.S. Team Manager, can you tell us anything else about this uh, 12-volt BEC test with the new high-power KSTs? Yeah, so YGE at Rotor Live announced that their, their BEC was, gonna, was capable of outputting 12 volts. Well, it just so happens that the newer line of KSTs are capable of accepting that 12 volt. So they are doing testing on speed differences and what the power consumption is at that voltage and everything like that. Dude, that's fucking cool. So they'll just be plug and play 12 volt right on there. So Yes. Yeah, here soon I'm sure we'll see tons of ESCs and BECs and stuff running a 12 volt on the out. So to, for the servos to just go right in, that's that's a smart move for KST to have them, have them at 12 volts. Now, do are any other servos rated for 12 yet, even? Or well, we know? so I, I don't actually JR. think, I don't actually know if any, other, if any of the other ones are. Maybe JR, there's probably one other brand that is. Probably, Torx probably can take 12 volts as well because they mm. are KSTs, so. Right, right. So. There's got to be some on the airplane side that, that have been running 12 volt probably for some time, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, it's super popular for airplane. Yeah. Uh, again, the airplane side, I don't know too much about. I No, me either, but I know those giant, you know, gassers and stuff have some pretty high power servos. If, I mean, if you're getting into like, um, like quarter scale servos, they're my massive giant scale servos, they, I would imagine so. Maybe even some of the, uh, the higher end uh, normal size servos, full size servos, uh, especially on the airplane side, are capable of accepting that voltage, yeah. You know, when I think of quarter-scale RC airplanes and I think of the plankers at my local field, I, it's it's hard to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> I knew a guy with a 50-scale or a 50% cub that he would fly around. That thing was a beast. You know, everybody would just stop and wait for him to prepare for like a half an hour. And then he'd put the thing in the air, ran a snowmobile engine in the front of it. And it was huge. Impressive. Yeah, you could put a small child in there easy. Oh, yeah, for sure. Wants to go for a ride. Moving on. Expert USA is interested in being able to turn you on and off. Uh, they released the catchy-sounding B3212 electronic power switch this week, aimed at both uh, airplanes and helicopters. Uh, so it's just a, a simple on-off power switch. Uh, it's just a little bit upgraded. It features 16-gauge uh, power leads. Uh, on that side and dual 20 gauge servo lead outputs and can manage anywhere from five to nine volts so all you kst 12 volt servo users or sol who uses a power button anyway uh you know folks yeah. scale folks Maybe, yeah yeah i guess i Some guess nitro folks true. do i bought one for my nitro i'm not sure if i'm going to install it or not not this expert one but the you have a raw one. right yeah, you, you got why the plug's just going to hang out the side right there. I don't know it's that I'm going to put it on the side. I might try and hide the battery a little better, but I you have could to get it more built and see. How but. is it? How is it? This switch is was what you explained the difference between the old style switch, the soft start switch that they had. Yeah, you mean the solid state switch? Yeah, or whatever. That so it's the same was. same unit, but it has two outputs and larger diameter wire input. So it's. We used to mod it for helicopters. We'd do the same shit. We'd cut the wires and double them up inside and solder yeah. them on. And we, you know, everyone was like asking for this. So they finally went ahead and did it. So it's fantastic. 
It's oh, great yeah. on a gasser because you can just leave the canopy on, fill it up, and turn it on and off. It's cool. Yes. Yep. Okay, that's good. It's good to know because I was wondering what the actual difference is because I know that switch has been out for years now. So there you go. All right, so the OMP Hobby M4 kits should be arriving any day now. In fact, by the time this airs, uh, they may be shipping to individuals. Uh, if not, it won't be long after that. So those of you that pre-order them should expect them in the very near future. Uh, we'd love to hear some flight reports and uh, see some build photos, so be sure and uh, get those posted up as you receive them. So a long wait for that model is over. I know a lot of folks have been looking forward to that. And then... Here's a brand I've not heard of before that I know has been around. So do any of you guys, have you ever heard of Beam Helicopter? Yes. Yeah. That's old. They used to advertise all the time on like Run Rider and Heli Freak. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Going back a little bit. Do you guys remember the old wallpaper of the, of the lady laying next to the Beam E4? Yeah. Yep. Still got it. Uh, I'd not heard of Beam. They certainly were before my time in the hobby, but uh, apparently they're releasing a new 700-sized helicopter called the Monster 7.0. It's nice. original. Uh, <laughs> I don't know much about it other than there's a YouTube video you can take a quick look at. It uh, Canopy styling is similar to sort of the Align TB series, the raw, you know, kind of similar uh, type forms. You know, certainly not a copy or anything, but just sort of matches that new kind of side profile look uh you can dig around on youtube for that no uh no more information there uh i just knew that it was a, a brand that had been around for a bit but uh if that's something that interests you certainly uh, dig around for more info there we'll share more uh when we find it out that's kind of neat beam is an older company and they're just coming out of nowhere just watch thunder tiger they're going to come out Dude, with a new if thunder tiger came back i would be so happy and that'd be kind of cool Especially if they have like a Thundercats ripoff kind of slogan. No. Yeah. Thunder Tiger, ho! <laughs> ho! <laughs> Sorry, that felt good. Uh, lastly, I want to give a quick shout out to listener, and this is the username on Podbean he used, Bare Metal Fabrication, who commented on one of our episodes on Podbean. Uh, first, I want to point out that Welding Naked is a very bad idea. But this gentleman commented on Podbean to share that, quote, I wonder if Devin and Ian from Freefall RC Podcast are brothers. Both have vehicles they are always working on. Sounds like Devin must drive a Chevy diesel if it sucks that bad. Great show. So I just wanted to say thanks for that note, naked metal guy. <laughs> Is that the comment you were talking about? Oh, I forget. I wouldn't stoop down to a Chevy diesel level. No. I just like that ouch. his name was Bare Metal Fabrication. So. I, bro I bought a 20-year-old truck. It's kind of my fault. There's that. What do you yeah. do? Admitting yeah. the problem is the beginning of the solution. Shut up, Scott. See, now I can't get out of my head that you and Ian are long-lost brothers and you're not I telling anybody. Talk. I, I don't want to. That hurts my brain. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it, like me and Ian, long-lost brothers, that's... Uh... Right, There's I a think, sitcom in there somewhere. I think I'm going to find a tree to go die under. <laughs> Heli Brothers from another mother. Ugh. You know what, Ian? <laughs> I like you, Ian. If I was your brother, I'd be honest. I'm not a dickhead like Devin. Yeah. I, I can be a dickhead, yes. You're right. But well, that's, 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 that, thank you for that comment. That was very nice. <laughs> share that with you and get your online, your on, uh, on the record re uh, reaction to that one. So there you go. 
All right. Lastly, this week, I got one last piece of news. Uh, this topic has just randomly come up a few times in, in a, a few of my heli circles. So I thought it uh, worth offering up just the tip. So if you're having shaft problems with your Sullivan starter wand, you can, in fact, just replace the metal shaft if, say, you've rounded the tip to the point it's no longer working. Uh, you don't have to buy the entire starter wand again. However, as far as I know, no retailers in the United States uh, sell this part, but you can reach out to Sullivan directly. Uh, they actually have a phone number with a human that actually answers the phone, uh, or you can send them an email, and they will be more than happy to directly sell you just the replacement shaft. So if you've been ordering you know, the entire thing, you don't need to do that. You can uh, just hit up Sullivan and get just the shaft. They'll give you the shaft. 1-800-SHAFT-NOW. Yeah. Nice. Well, you have to pay for the shaft, but they'll ship you the shaft. They won't well, give it to you. When don't you have to pay for shaft sometimes, you know? In prison. <laughs> oh, well, that's true. That is true. That's just like right. dropping the soap, you know? All right. Uh, oh, just, we're devolving, and it's also my fault, so. No, nah, it's just my fault. All right. With that, uh, I have that's... one more piece I'd like to say. Oh, oh, sorry. That's not one, it for the news this week. Devin, one the more, floor is yours. One more piece I'd like to say. Um, Friday, when we were talking in a Discord chat, I was made aware of a, an event out in the West Coast. And we have talked about this in a topic before with Dan, of course, about how the West Coast scene has, uh, is there are good events out there, but there's not a lot of, of events out there. There's a handful. So I was made aware of an event that is just surfacing this year. It's in Oregon. So anyone that lives over there, you got a new uh, fun fly coming up in Oregon. And I figured I'd give it a little bit of an announcement and a shout out to uh, make it aware. So it's called the spinoff. And the dates are June 22nd to the 25th, 2023. So in the middle of the summer. So hopefully it's nice in Oregon at that time. I have no clue. So the guy gave me a little bit of information about it, and it sounds like it's going to be great. It's a first first year of this event happening, and uh, hoping it's going to be a good one, and just want to help out a little bit there. Yeah, dude, that's cool. wonder yeah. if we can get that posted in like the Hangout, or if he can post a post somewhere or whatever so people can find it. So, I'm sure people would travel to that. Yeah, I'll, for sure. I'm sure there's a handful of people from the East Coast or the Mideast that would probably fly out to it as well to... Yeah. To just help get some people out there and have a good time and get some um, information and uh, some Facebook uh, news out of it and about it for the next upcoming years to make it bigger if that's what they want. But I was told everyone seems to be really excited about it because there's another event that's happening over there in that part of the country. So um, if you're interested, definitely look onto it. If you want to find contact information or anything like that, uh, if you go onto the AMA website, you can search events. And you just search spinoff and you go to the, the state that it's happening in and it happens right there. You'll get a you'll get an email that you can contact if you're thinking about going. But it seems like it's going to be really good and they're super excited. So definitely get a look. Give it a look if you're interested. Nice. That's some good news. I was, yeah, I was right excited on, when he told me about it and I was like, that's awesome. That would be it's great to see some newer stuff popping up in that side of the country because it is very quiet over there sometimes. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of that, if you have an event that's cooking, feel free to email any one of us to get it mentioned uh, on the podcast. We'd be happy to uh, share the news of it. Yeah. All right. With that, that's uh, that's it for the news this week. News, 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 news.
So this week, we had a unique opportunity to sit down and chat directly with some of the founding members of a major helicopter brand. Two of the three founders of Tron Helicopters stopped by to talk about all things Tron from the beginning, the current lineup, and their plans for the future. So due to the time difference between here and Switzerland, I sat down earlier today with Dario Nunschwander and Joachim Eder. Apologies if I got those pronunciation wrong a little bit, guys. So both Dario and Joachim have a long history in the hobby and have been involved in brands such as Xnova, MSH, Spin Blades, and many others, both on the pilot side, the development and marketing side of things, uh, our research and development, etc. cetera. Uh, so we planned on most of the RSCHN crew being on the interview, but we had some technical difficulties earlier this afternoon. We had to move to kind of a backup recording platform, and in the end, it ended up as just myself and the two gentlemen from Tron. So we're gonna go ahead and play that interview now for you to listen to, and then uh, we'll come back and share some closing thoughts. Uh, so with that, here's the interview. So Joachim and uh, Dario, welcome to RC Heli Nation. We're very glad to have you. Thank you, Nick. Happy to be here. So as a as a Can consumer we... in the hobby, you know I'm I'm really often drawn to helicopter brands that have a face, or in this case, a voice behind the product, uh, someone willing to step mm -hmm. forward and talk to the community directly, you know, whether that's Vincent and Ecodrift or Kyle Dahl at Scorpion or Luca at Oxy Helicopter. You know, I think we all like when we get to hear firsthand from some of the people behind the brands. So we, you know, we really appreciate you coming on and talking to us today. Thanks. Nice to be also here and uh... Let's say to more or less uh, introduce ourselves. I think we didn't have much chance yet. Uh, there was a, a short or brief interview with Ogi on, on the Roto Live with Dario, I think, if you have seen this, a quick one. But otherwise, we was not really yet had the chance to, to talk like in a podcast, uh, especially in the US. We had, we had about, if correct me if I'm wrong, Dario, maybe. Two and a half years ago, we was uh, in the Flyball podcast. If you notice, it's from England. It was like with video cameras. So we was showing some product and we was introducing ourselves. But that's about two or two and a half years ago. I don't remember exactly, but that's... Beside of this, it's basically the first, more or less the first time, yeah? We are talking to the public and, yeah, nice, nice to do that. Yeah, we're excited to to have you on. And, you know, I think before we get too deep into Tron, we'd love to hear a little bit from each of you and share a little bit about your journey into the hobby. You know, for example, do you both fly helicopters? How did you first, you know, get into the hobby? Let's uh, let's get started with you, Joachim. What, what's your background in the hobby? How did you get started? Uh, well, when I was a young boy, probably 13 or 12, I don't remember. That's a long, long time back because I'm near to 50 now. I was doing the RC car, the buggy racing, and then I was uh, left the hobby. And uh, it was always a dream to fly helicopters. But when I was a kid, this stuff was really, really expensive and uh, very, very far uh, away of the possibility I had financially. So it was just a dream, but somehow I was lucky to my job. Uh, I was traveled a lot the world. I was also, by the way, live in the States, in uh, South Carolina for almost a year. Uh, I met people and then I get invited to friends' home and uh, I saw a T-Rex 450. 
I didn't know what is a TRX 450 at that time. He just had this helicopter in his house and he showed me this helicopter and say, hey, look, uh, it's now more or less affordable and it's like uh, working more or less. It doesn't cost $10,000 anymore. And I was like immediately trapped into it again. And I went back to Switzerland and uh, reached out to a hobby shop. And uh, I would say in, in a few days later, I, I had the T-Rex 450, the very old version, the, the plastic one at home. And uh, yeah, I... I started to be trouble, get into troubles there eh? because it's like an addiction then, and I couldn't stop. And that's about, I would say, maybe 13, 14 years ago, something like this. I do not ex exactly remember the starting date, but it was, uh, I would say, 14 years ago. And that's how it started. And uh, yeah, then I get really uh, like, uh, I, I couldn't stop. Always was thinking about helicopter. I was. Uh, Every three seconds was with my mates, you know, it was like just the start of this uh, big boom, you know, when you, you could buy uh, helicopters uh, almost in, in every small shop, they were selling uh, online and uh, yeah, it, it was everywhere and we had really a lot of fun and every few seconds we went out and, and was trying to hover and like, uh, you know, small tricks and small stuff. And uh, then I hear there's a guy called Storio. He can fly this kind of 3D thing, so we was tried to track him down. And I find out he lives actually not far from my apartment. And we went to his flying field, and uh, we was watching him, and we was uh, confused what he did with the helicopter. You know, like I was really surprised. And then, yeah, it was uh, the normal, the normal way, which almost people uh, have, have been through, you know, like at some point you find Ellen Zobo's video some Sunday of the lake, you know, and, uh, and so on and so further. And uh, it was, uh, it was just this golden days where uh, the events starting to pop off and uh, uh, everywhere uh, you was join these events and start to know people. And uh, yeah, that's, that's how it started, you know, uh, something like this. That's great. Do you still fly today? Uh, let's say I try my best. It's very difficult because I'm very busy with uh, with my job. I mean, not not with drone helicopters, but with my let's say like my full time daily job. I'm very busy, and when I have uh, every few seconds, we we do designs or or thinking about new ideas about our brand, about the drone helicopters, like what to do next, and. Uh, to do maybe also other stuff because they, you know, this hobby, it's, it's wide range. They are blades, they are ESCs, they are servers. So it's always some thinking about some, some products and stuff like this. So yes, I, I still do fly, but uh, unfortunately not enough. I would say the last year I have been flying only a very, very few time, but uh, I hope this year again, uh, I will do more myself and, uh, yeah, you know, it's 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 difficult if you deeply involved in, let's say, design and manufacturing and this kind of stuff. You, the hobby probably it's 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 going to be a little bit more further away that you will find your own time to really go and fly. And if you have the time, uh, I go with Dario or we go with our pilots, team pilots, and you know, it's it's easier to ask them to do tests. For me, then I do it myself or to fly because they're more used to it because they fly very frequently. So it's that's a little bit difficult. But yeah, I still do fly, but unfortunately not enough. I would say like this. <laughs> I, I can I can relate when we find 
other hobbies within the hobby, whether it's manufacturing or, or in our case, doing a podcast, it, it takes up a lot of those free hobby hours. So I, I understand. Dario, how about you? Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, your start in the hobby? Yeah, sure. Uh, from the beginning, as a small child, I was very passionate about everything that flies. My dad brought me in the RC helicopter scene, and I started back in 2006, I remember correctly, uh, with RC helicopters. Um, and then quickly uh, got involved in testing of the RC helicopters uh, and blades. Yeah, you did some development with spin but, blades, uh, is that right? Uh, with spin? Yeah, spin blades. I helped them to also not only test them, but also um, doing the prototypes. I started uh, to work at the factory, a mechanical factory. So I had the ability to uh, use the, their machines so to, to make some prototypes, some molds for the blades. Yeah, from the beginning on, I could uh, mix that with uh, with my sponsors, like to help them out, to testing new things, uh, to bring in my own ideas. And yeah, it was very cool, fun time. That is cool that the two of you have been involved with a lot of other brands, right? Exnova and MSH to name uh, a couple, is that right? Yeah, the list is very long. It's, it starts, I don't know, with uh, MSH and Flyverless. The MSH, Flyverless system. Uh, then I think it was Compass. After Compass, I went to um, Outrage. Also a great time. Wow. So, yeah. you know, you've both, you've both had a lot of involvement with a lot of different brands uh, that we all know and love. So... What made you go from sort of a pilot who was helping out some manufacturers to going, we should start our own company? You know, how, how did the birth of Tron happen? Hmm. Okay, I try. Eh? So, yeah, as, as we was associated with, uh, with helicopter manufacturers, like from the early days, like with Compass, we doing also R&D stuff uh, in the very, very beginning of Compass. And uh, Dario, for sure, was heavily involved with MSH in the development of the, the Protoss helicopter series and all the testing together with Corrado and Davide. And, uh, and also Outrage after, even the beginning of SAB, we was there, you know, like the very first video, maybe if you remember, with, with Tarek and, uh, and, uh, and Bert and us. So mm -hmm. during, during this time, you know, we was always thinking about uh, we had our own ideas about designs, about features, about doing some uh, probably nice, funny, or, or, or cool designs. And we must always think about at some point, we would like to do our own helicopters, you know, together with, with the team. Because you know, to do it by ourselves alone, it's basically impossible. It needs a lot of uh, uh, infrastructure. It needs a lot of money. It needs an enormous amount of time. So... Doing a, a full-time job for regular work, it's, it's almost impossible. So the chance came up that we met uh, Ricky, which was uh, very, very uh, heavy involved since many years, I would say almost to 20 years, 
in the manufacturing of, of helicopters. And uh, yeah, he knew us through other people and we knew him through other people. So at some point we all met and uh, the idea came up, why not we try something together, like uh, something maybe a little bit uh, different and, and putting our ideas inside, which we was, I would say, not criticize, but you know, when you buy a product and you have your own ideas, you always think like, oh, it's very nice, but I would like to do something like this, but I would to do something like that. And in, in creating Tron, we had the chance that Dario brings in, in his ID, I bring in my ID, and Ricky brings in his ID. And that all together makes a, a very nice, uh, neat package, you know. So that was kind of the, the born uh, day of, of Tron helicopters. Yeah, that's somehow how it started. Yeah, that's a, that's a big step from, you know, wanting more out of the, the hobby to actually stepping forward and designing a helicopter. So uh, much... Uh... Much congratulations that you've been so successful and managed to get it off the ground. Thanks, yeah. thanks. And maybe, maybe as add-on, you know, we was also. I mean, I basically, I don't know, eight years ago or something. I was uh, started the brand Xnova, and uh, Dario was uh, our first team pilot. The very, very young Dario. That time he was still uh, almost a kid, and uh, yeah, it it was also uh, one of the. Of the thing that we 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 see how successful Xnova is nowadays, uh, to give us uh, confidence that we can also start something else, you know, if you have the right person around you, something like this. And uh, what what is what do each of you do with Tron? Uh, what are your actual you know which I'm assuming you sort of split up duties. Uh, so how do you manage that? What do you each uh, contribute? Actually, this time? yeah, <laughs> actually, it's not that. Uh not that uh, sharp divided it's uh, everyone is doing sure uh, ricky is doing all the uh, cnc work and all the all the but but, but uh, it's not his main job he, he's also heavily involved in designing and testing out uh, the new designs and it, it's not that uh, ricky's doing only those uh, like yeah, the CNC I, work. I, I, I'm sorry. It's, uh, no, no, it makes uh, perfect sense. You're you're all sharing uh, these duties. They're not they're not split up. So just Ricky is doing manufacturing, but you're actually all doing yes, a little bit of yes. the same things. Yes. Yeah, we have all our own ideas, and if we disagree with something, uh, it, it helps that we are three. <laughs> no, uh, no, but uh, it's like a voting system. You know, if let's say Dario says, "Hey, I want to do." Uh, a pink boom and me and Ricky say no it's not so it's two two votes versus one so that will not gonna be happen you know so it's 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 a cool thing if somebody has an idea and the other part is also agreed it, it's going to be uh, made you know but from the from the from the aspect of manufacturing helicopter for sure I mean we do prototype parts here in Switzerland because Doria has uh, access from his work to a full equipped uh, CNC park up to five axis CNC machine. So we can do all the CNC parts in here, like a prototype parts if it's necessary. But I mean, to be honest, we, we don't manufacture canopies here in Switzerland or, or, or the kits, you know, the kits are all manufactured in, in Ricky's place, you know. And also a big part of the designs is made sometime by Ricky, 
sometimes by Dario, sometimes by me. It depends who has a cool idea, you know. But I would say to, to separate the thing, uh, Dario and Ricky is more involved in the technical stuff and I'm more involved in the design and the outlook of the helicopter. How does it look, you know, mm-hmm. like the kind of branding or, or, or you can call it marketing or, or how the helicopter does look, you know, the outlook of the helicopter. Yeah. So I don't do much technical stuff. Understood. So the the first helicopter you received, if I have my Tron history correct, was the 5.5. Is that right? That was your first? Yes. And uh, what made you decide to start at the 550 size? It's easy because it's the best sailing size, actually, (laughs) in the market, (laughs) you know. Most most convenient and most, uh, I mean, it doesn't fly like the 700, but it still flies kind of big. But it's not that big in, in the aspect of buying batteries and uh, motors and uh, ESCs. So, I mean, the cost, it, it's, I would say it's, it's the cost fun factor. It's most beneficial in, in a 550 class, I would say. So to start and not just collapse after the start, I would say it's probably the best size to start, maybe, to have maybe success. I think that's the reason why we start with 550 size, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, we're often suggesting that size for people's first kit build really should be a 550. It's it's the perfect size. You're right, the the what would we call it here? Um the bridge to ownership or you know, it's not as big a financial commitment, it doesn't cost as much. It's a great size to sort of start with. Uh and and actually speaking mm-hmm. of the 5.5, you know, after a little time went by, you released the 5.8 Heritage model, which is just a little bit bigger. Do you plan to continue to sell the 5.5 or is the 5.8 kind of a replacement? How's that going to work? I think the 5.8 is a different type of size. Um, it's uh, The 5.5 is easy to fly with the 6S, and, uh, with, but with the 5.8, uh, you're already at the limit. Well, I use also a 6S setup on my 5.8, but it's actually at a little bit on the limit. Like uh, for the ESC and battery, you uh, have a lot of current. If you pull pull it very, if you push it very hard, mm-hmm. so um, I think it's a different. Yeah, it's it's separated. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's yeah. more like it's more like a six hundred class helicopter. You know, it can run up to six twenty yeah. plates, and it's it's definitely if if you have it next to each other, you will see it's quite a. Uh, bigger, larger than uh, the five point five. So I would, I would really say it's, it's definitely not a replacement from the five point five. It was not the idea uh, to have a replacement. But you see, uh, let me try to explain the idea of making so-called modular helicopter. If that makes sense to you, so you have like uh, how to say like uh, a basic configuration of a helicopter. Which can be easy work from a wide range of of blade size, you know. So basically, you will be totally fine to fly the five point eight at five fifty blade size, but it it will start to shine at five eighty or six hundred uh, size blade, you know. But it's it's easy feasible to even basically stretch it up to something like we did later on, which calls the dynamic, you know, which was already considered when we. With the 5.8, the idea was that we we're going to do a super light 700 out of this helicopter. But there was another manufacturer who had 
the same type of model release. I mean, very ultra light 700, and it was just not the perfect time to release to release a, a model which has a similar uh, idea of of uh, of customers in the back uh, at the same time. That's why we was pushing back this this model, but. The 5.8 was not released just to be a 5.8. The idea was to have a, let's call a model or helicopter, we can, which can be uh, a 650 or an ultralight 700 or, or whatsoever, you know. So it's definitely not a replacement of the 5.5. And so far, the 5.5 will remain uh, in, in business. We will not uh, push this model back so far. Right. I think one addition to that statement, um, the 5.8, the, the modular part is just the frame and the tail parts. The head is a completely different on the dynamic. I think that's, that's something very important that we need to point out because the mechanic, the, the, the head is not, the 5.8 head is not strong enough uh, to swing the 700 plates. Yes, yes. But modular, I talk about the frame, you know, the basics that you have. So, I think as these new lightweight models come out, the you know the lightweight dynamic, the uh, the Nitron ninety, which is the lightest in its class, uh, I hear. There's these opportunities for parts sharing, which I think are very attractive to a modeler. You know, if I can look at a nitro size model and an electric that have the same head and tail, that makes sense for me to consider purchasing. So what, what can you give us a brief overview of which Tron models share sort of heads and tails? You know, what would be a good pairing of an electric and nitro, for example, that share some of the same parts? Mm -hmm. Also definitely the Nitro 90 and the dynamic, it's uh, absolutely compatible in terms of tail and head. It fits 100%, also landing gear, and those kind of stuff, but the frame for sure is different because it's a nitro. Mm -hmm. But for instance, the tail, the tail drive, which is basically identical on the 5.5, on the 5.8, on the nitro 50, on the Tron nitro 90, and on the dynamic, it's identical. The same tail case. The head is different, but still, you know, it it shares really a lot of parts. And when you reach out to our website and you choose the uh, the menu you can select like to to separate it uh let's say nitro 90 ports only or nitro 50 ports only and you will very quickly see which parts are uh, identical to to the other models and it's it's not only manufacturing wise uh, actually easier and also for the dealers but also for the for the pilots who who purchase the models because you don't need to buy all the time a big range of different spare parts, you know. But uh, I would say the good thing is that when we have developed the smaller models, we have really reached out to absolutely insane pilots, uh, which fly uh, absolutely insane head speed and make sure it will hold up. And it has been also approved when we move to bigger models, not just for a couple flights, but for hundreds of flights to be reliable. And this was was make us very happy, actually, that, that this was... So easy, kind of scalable, you know, because normally if you do a, a new helicopter, you need to do a lot of calculation in terms of, of physics and does the material hold up and strength of screws and so on. But uh, yeah, we was, we was, uh, I mean, it's, it's a part of the calculation and physics, but it's also always a, 
a big part of luck. You know, sometimes the calculation is perfectly always works out, but in in practice, when you go out and fly, you just you just have some issues, some vibration, or something is cracking, and you don't know where it comes from. Even all the physics was done correctly, actually. But we were lucky to have this uh, this model or uh, ID working out so well through all the models. And there's a funny thing to point out, Torio, right? There was some questions about the Nitro 90. Some people was maybe worry: is this helicopter uh, too light, you know, or is it maybe not durable or something. And people was asking us, like, why didn't you just use the, the 7.0, the Tron 7, you know, which is uh, really a monster. It's almost an 800-class helicopter from the size of the tail and the head. And they asked us, why didn't you just convert this 700 electric to a nitro? And this is actually what we did two years or more ago. And in that time, the idea was, just to see how does it work. And for sure, it works very nice. But at the end of the day, you know, you can do a nitro, which is just another nitro in the market. Or you can do something, let's say, uh, a little bit unique in terms of weight. And I think Tron is a little bit well known now about the weight. Our models are quite light. And uh, we have done this, this uh, electric to nitro conversion with the 700. And it was working nice. It was working perfectly. But, you know, it was just something was missing, you know. And I would say, if Dario agreed, it was the way. That's why we started in the same time to play around with something ultra crazy light, like the Nitro 19. But finally, the Nitro 19 was clearly made the way into the production compared, let's say, the normal conversion from the 700, which is just the... In, in our opinion, and pilots who was testing it, it was just too heavy. There was not this nice dynamic which now this Nitro Nine, the new one, uh, uh, provides it. You know, so it was it was a long way actually to to this to this helicopter which is now uh, releasing to the market. That's great. Uh, and actually, that was one of the questions I have for later. Is is Tron is really focused it feels like on this lightweight helicopter or being the lightest helicopter in various classes of size in the past the history of lightweight helicopters is that there's always a trade-off right it's a balance as you make things mm -hmm. lighter sometimes maintenance goes up or sometimes you know failure rates go up or you know there's there's different sort of trades what what's the secret to tron in in, in releasing lightweight helicopters what trade-offs uh, have you made there hmm. try to keep the part count low and Dari also done a few times eh? a little bit yeah it's, it's also we test a lot like uh like you often told uh, the ninth size uh, tron 7 uh the, the first one the heavy one uh, we started two years ago, and then maybe half a year later, we started to to do the light one, the, the one we released now. And uh, yeah, since one and a half year almost, um, we are testing it. And we do the development, uh, we do quite a fast development. Um, if we see a problem, we don't need to wait uh, for the manufacturer to do the parts and you know we, we can do everything by ourselves like we can do it here in switzerland but ricky can also do it in china so we have uh, two 
different kind of groups that can work independent and also try their own ways to find solutions. And then we can come back and uh, bring back all the, uh, bring together all the ideas. And I think that that's, that's, that, that's a key feature that we are so, that, that we could manage uh, to, to get such a, a lightweight, but still very durable helicopter. That must be your secret then, because Tron has released a lot of brand new models uh, in a very short amount of time. If you think about the 5.5, the 5.8 Heritage, uh, the 7.0, the Nitron 50, the Nitron 90, now the Dynamic. That's a lot of helicopters for just two to three years. Is, yeah. is that your secret? The yeah. fact that you can instantly manufacture a replacement part and test it? Yeah, that's one of the secrets. And also we had those ideas already in our minds when we created the Heritage. We already had the Nitron 90 and the Dynamic, but we were just like, uh, there was just a couple things not, not finished yet, but the main structure, we, we already were sure that the main structure was, was uh, deadly solid and uh, yeah. It's also a big thing, a big part, Nick, to point out is, I mean, Ricky is, really really long time and very experienced in many manufacturing helicopters and you know nowadays as many things are outsourced for instance what what we really have even we have in-house manufacturing doria can do parts Ricky for sure has a nice cnc part is very experienced in very quickly turn like ideas into a product but at the end of the day certain things like a main shaft, you know, you have to reach out to another manufacturer, to a shaft manufacturer, because you need to reach out to find special materials. And for instance, if you choose a 12 millimeter shaft or a 10 millimeter shaft, if you go for a 10 millimeter shaft, you need to know what kind of steel you're using. Because if you use the wrong steel, it will bend or it will, it will break. And I think Osriki also has so many years experience, he knows exactly where to go and what to choose. So we don't have this, let's say, like dead test phases where we uh, suffer from womb strikes or, or this kind of issues, you know, or like vibrations. And I think the experience of, of all of us, but also especially of Ricky, after almost 20 years of manufacturing helicopter, really helps a lot that we don't have, uh, that we don't face this dead time. What, what we have, for instance, the issue, but I would say all of us manufacturers are in the same boat. There's only one manufacturer who can, who can do, who can benefit from, like, let's say, their own canopy company. But all of us, we're really suffering from canopies because there is just like three or two factories left in China, which are, if you're nice to them, still able to manufacture canopies. But besides of this, it's it's very fast because about the reason I was just explaining. I think this is also a key point, you know, and that we have clear ideas what we want to do. I think that helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like you've really streamlined all parts of the process, whether it's manufacturing, prototyping, design. There's a lot of experience behind the brand, uh, and that speaks volumes. So that's great. That's uh, that makes a lot of sense. So, it just helps really a lot. It helps a lot. 
So the question, one of the questions I've been looking forward to asking you is that Tron is a, is a very new brand in the hobby. And I think that puts you in a very unique position to evaluate how healthy the RC helicopter hobby is. Is the hobby doing okay? Is it moving upwards, downwards? How do you think we're doing from a, from a new company perspective, uh, the hobby? Dorio? Uh, for sure. I mean, I was there in 2010, 2012. Um, the year was, those years were the, amaz- the, the best years ever. There were so many fun flies, so many gatherings. It was such a nice time. And now it's ah, the, 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 the events getting smaller, even less people. It's, it's difficult to attract new pilots. Like here in Switzerland, it's almost impossible to find new kids to get into the hobby. And it's just, yeah, it could be better. Um, yeah, I think I think the U.S. is doing quite well, while we're in Europe, uh, a little bit suffering. It's also because you know we have lots of peace in the U.S. Here in Europe, we have so many regulations. For instance, flying nitro. You know, it's such a difficult thing now because they come up with new rules in the EU. What is the, the thing now? The deal: eighteen percent or fifteen percent. They limit the, the the fuel. You know, so we cannot buy thirty percent nitro. And uh, yeah, this is this environment protection and so on and noise cancellation. So you guys are lucky in the US. You have still lots of freedom to go out and fly. We're, in Switzerland, we're also very lucky, but EU port-wise, it's sometimes very difficult. Also, if you talk to dealers, all the regulation, if you sell a product, you need a special insurance, you need to get special papers and so on. So all these, these things together makes it for sure a little bit difficult compared to before, you know. And and we feel this, yes. So it's it's definitely uh, it's a tough business. And uh, you know, it it was funny when I was at Roto Life. We have very good friends like Rocco Boom, like uh, Stefano from SAB or Alex from Soxos. And uh, yeah, we will sit together and have fun and talk about helicopters and the hobby. And uh, basically, you know, there is one big point which we also would like to mention. And this is also, I'm speaking for Stefano and Alex, and I'm speaking for Rockaboom about this topic. Uh, it's the price tag of the products. It's, it's amazing, like, what you get nowadays, you know, what you get in, in the term of the quality, the design, the performance of an ESC, of a motor, of a servo, of a helicopter, of plates, of, of lipos. And 10 years back, 12 years back, imagine a success, 5,000 million lipo which you do probably i don't know 20 flights and it start to puffing was cost five to six hundred dollars and now you get the perfect battery for like 150 bucks so mm-hmm. it's a big big improvement you know but the funny thing is even me you know i was one of those guys who, who was buying like every every cent i made i turned into helicopter parts or, or batteries or blades and i was i was not care about this you know because i was so much uh, into the hobby, but if you if you sit down on your sofa and think back, like, hey, what happened ten years ago? You know, the servos didn't work well. The motor was suffering. The ESC was like all the time caught. Uh, the batteries was puffing. The gear was breaking, and so on. And now, let's say for a thousand dollar, you get a high class uh, performance machine 
with basically uh, no issues. You know, it's 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 just a perfect product. And sometimes I I wish people would more think about if that could be also a, a point. You know, that uh, the the continuously uh, fight about the. Uh, about the products, you know, and the prices and this, especially nowadays, anything goes up, you know, the material costs. And and we talk about a few hundred kits, if you're lucky. And I would say 10, 15 years back, you talk about a few thousands of kits, you know, and all these these things also do matter for us as a manufacturer to, to survive. It doesn't matter it's it's uh, SAB or it's, it's Oxos or it's uh, Oxy or it's... Uh, it's a XL power or a line or, or whatever, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough business nowadays. And I am very happy to be honest. I, I really happy if I see XL power releasing new models or line releasing new models, doesn't matter who Oxy or I'm always happy to see new helicopters going to the market. It's not just about Tron, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see those people are still passionate and they do it. I would say not uh, about the money they do it for the love of of the hobby you know this is, is something I, I really want to say here about the our hobby yes yeah i'm I'm glad you you address that you know it's right it, the cost of everything is going up everywhere there's no reason it shouldn't in the hobby i think the hard part that some of us struggle with is that initially getting into the hobby just gets so expensive it gets hard to draw more people in uh, and to some extent, I mm -hmm. think that the, these smaller helicopters, you know, the OMP hobbies, the, the Logo 200, you know, all of these 200, 300 size helicopters are great because they they let people get into the hobby for a lot less money and, and help us, you know, hopefully try and build the hobby. But but you're right, there needs to, you know, the, the number of kits sold is not, it's not massive, it's not thousands. I mean, as as a developer and being involved in different brands, just to help us understand better, how many helicopters does a manufacturer expect to sell of the average helicopter? So average, you know, ExoPower, SAB, Tron, like how many do you think they sell of of, uh, of one helicopter? Hmm. Uh, it's a difficult question. I, I would I would say uh, the biggest player still, it's, it's uh, for sure, I would say SAB, uh, Dario, probably mm -hmm. in terms of, of numbers. But I, I do not know, we talk about uh, a few hundreds or thousands of helicopters, but let let's give let let's give uh, one example. Talking about nitro helicopter, which is amazing at the moment. Excel Power get a new one. We have a new one. Online is doing a new one. When we talk about nitro helicopters, the number which I would now say you you would probably not not believe it. It's it's correct, but it is correct. If you can sell a hundred or two hundred kits worldwide you must be very happy you know and to be honestly we was never think we're going to really release a nitro 90 helicopter because in europe the, the market is really small but people from the us very often contact us and say hey guys please nitro nitro 1990 and finally we agreed and i really want to point this out that we released this nitro 90 helicopter it was because we get a lot of requests from the U.S., you know, and the number is even in the U.S. It's small about the nitro. So I would say, let's say maybe a 200 kits. If you're lucky, you can move around in a, in a matter of one year. And uh, for sure, it's, it doesn't pay off, you know, but we do it for the love of the hobby. 
And we do it because we had a lot of uh, nice feedback and love from the US, especially about Nitro Helicopter and a little bit pushing. So, yeah, we, we agreed about this. But sure, in the size of, of uh, like uh, OMP does, this small size, I would say there we can talk about maybe one or two or 3,000 worldwide numbers, you know. But yeah. big helicopter, uh, yeah. Yeah, maximum that's, I, 1,000. I hope our listeners really, you know, listen to that number, you know, a couple hundred kits and look at the price of the kit and imagine that the margins are fairly small in the hobby. So that really is love from you all to, to release one. And I know it means a lot to a lot of people, people that are passionate about Nitro will hopefully be more inclined to purchase a Tron Electric, you know, when they go to, to add to their fleet. Uh, because you were willing to develop a nitro, and I think that's probably some of where that decision making came from. But it's it's that's a lot to ask a company to develop a whole new helicopter for two hundred kits. Yeah, it's it's nowadays reality, to be honest. Yeah. So, uh, another another thing also to point out, you know, uh, again, like I like to mention, like the older days, you know, when when you pay like five six hundred dollar for a six S lipo, and everybody was fine, or I talked with Hugo, our good old friend, about canopies, for instance. You know, he showed me an old JR canopy, which was uh, airbrush painted. I think it was for the white 90, Dario, right? And he showed me the price uh, 12 or 14 years ago. It was just for a canopy, something like $450 for a canopy. Wow. Think about it. Wow. And, and he said people was buying it, you know, sure there was, there was, Lame ass. It's a little bit expensive, but people was buying it. And now you get for a hundred bucks or a bit more, you get a very beautiful canopy, you know, with airbrush and uh, fantastic designs. And uh, yeah, it's it changed a lot, you know, what you get. But for sure, the, what I sometimes feel, and I think also the other manufacturers are quite agreed with, with me or us about this when we talked in Roto Life, it's very difficult to, let's say, uh, by a helicopter which has a Ferrari performance, uh, let's say uh, Rolls-Royce quality and uh, uh, a lifetime warranty like a Rolex, but it costs only like a Fiat, you know, it's very difficult yeah. to be honest. No, that's uh, very fair. You get what I mean. Yes, absolutely. That, you know, the, our expectations don't get any lower. We keep asking for more and more reliability, less maintenance required ease of building, all of these things. And honestly, the price has not come up a lot in that time. And at some mm. point, either we're going to lose manufacturers or the price is going to go up. But we, we can't have it all forever. Uh, yeah, that's difficult. Right. Yeah, it's tough. Yes. So do you think while we're on the subject... It's not a complaint, eh? It's not a no. complaint. It's just something I would really want to point out. And even after I speak with, uh, with the other manufacturers, they say, go ahead, you can, you can talk in our names too. And uh, please let the people know we do it for the love of the hobby. This is the biggest thing, you know, to keep uh, the things running and make people happy because we enjoy so much. Even I don't fly much, you know, all my apartment and my basement is full with canopies and helicopters and stuff. And uh, every few minutes I, I do something with helicopters, even I don't fly that much, you know. No, I understand. I'm the same way. I don't get out to fly as much as I would like to, but uh, any free minute at home, it feels like is spent messing with a helicopter somewhere in my house. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. <laughs> so while we're still talking about nitro helicopters, do we think they're going to make a comeback or is this sort of a last, what we would call a last hurrah or the last celebration of nitro? 
and then we'll move, you know, onward to electric only. Audio? I hope I hope not. <laughs> I hope it's not the last hurrah. I hope it will keep growing and coming back. Um it's the fun, I think yeah. it's the fun, Nick. Because, you know, to be honestly, I do not fly much, as I say, but when I was testing the Nitro 19 a little bit, I was I was not realized that I was smiling off to my ears. And Dario and Hugo was behind me and was, was smiling and say, hey, Joachim, I didn't see you fly, uh, fly or smiling for a long time when you fly the Nitro. It's just different, you know, and yeah. we hope... We hope that, uh, let's say, also old-timers, which uh, obviously, I'm, I'm a not very old-timer, but medium old-timer. I love the sound and the, the feeling of a nitro helicopter. It just flies different than this unlimited power, electric, crazy 3D hardcore models and the smoke and, I don't know, the feeling of the helicopter, all the fun around, you know. It's, it's just different. And I hope this can wake up also all timers back again because now we have an excellent choice of three, four uh, excellent uh, seven hundred class nitro helicopters. So it's there, you know. It's it's yeah. ready to to go. Yeah. So we hope this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm currently building my first nitro right now, and I'm very excited about trying it. I've been all electric for a long time, so I'm uh, I'm excited mm -hmm. to get it in the air. It's going to be fun. Um, so you've released a lot of models in a short amount of time between the you know all the models mm -hmm. we listed earlier so what's next is this the point where tron sort of takes a breath and supports the current models and works on promoting them maybe a little more or is there no slowing down are you just going to keep developing new models good question <laughs> uh i mean we we have something new in in our head which was shown but Roto Life 2, but it's not a brand new model it's like an overworked 700 of the tron 7.0 uh, it's it's not a complete new model. It has some new feature, new design. So this is definitely on the list for this year. It calls the Tron Seven Advance. I don't know if you've seen the the photos or the or some some pictures of it. Uh, I haven't, so I'd I love to hear more about it. Uh, yeah, it's it's an overworked seven hundred. Uh, it has a belt tensioner. It has a herringbone main gear. Uh, a new design, you know, like a fresh, uh, like we call it semi-fusion design and a few other tweaks, but it's not completely new, but yeah, it's it's like, a, you can call it a pro version or something, but yeah, this is, this is also for this year on the list, but no release date yet because we are very busy with the Nitro now to make sure all is perfect. It's, it's shipping now and uh, right after the Dynamic, which is also basically ready. Uh, I think... The only thing we can say talking about small helicopters, small sizes, this market is absolutely uh, well uh, saturated by OMP or what was the other name, Gooskai or something. Uh -huh. And uh, this is yeah, small local. So I would say in, in that area, the, the business is, and the competition also is very, very tough, you know, to be honest. So I probably need to a little bit or we need to disappoint people who are hoping for a Minitron. I think that's not going to be uh, going to happen so soon, maybe someday. But uh, yeah, for sure, the big the big point is to to supply part, to guarantee part, the uh, spare part supply for all the current models. And uh, 
like I say, this year we, we have three models uh, on the list, and I think that's a lot. And uh, I think we're going to take maybe a small break after. We're not going to release uh, every month a new model. That's too much. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think we're going to slow down. But uh, maybe in, in terms of small models, uh, not at the moment. Anything else is open. Yeah. Dario, your thoughts? Uh, I have nothing to add. Uh, we are always playing around in the background with uh, new ideas and also different sizes. But uh, also, I think for this year, uh, it's enough. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we need to see how the little things keep going. And maybe in near future, we will have something smaller. But uh, yeah, we've... We don't want to rush something. We want to, yeah. Yeah, and, and three models in a year is a lot. That's a lot of development and manufacturing and testing. So I don't think anyone, and certainly not me, are saying that Tron is, is, is not moving quickly. Uh, it's impressive, in fact, how fast you've moved uh, to release all these models. Uh, you have a great lineup right now, which uh, I'm sure you're very proud of and should be. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, yes, yes. Like, like you mentioned, the line the lineup is is quite nice now. Almost every size size is covered, and uh, yeah, let let's see what next. But like like Dario mentioned, we play around with things. Doesn't mean they go to production, but we play around with things. And during during the development of new helicopters, we we learn one thing. You know, uh, better to keep quiet and do something in the background, and when it's ready, like bam, here it is, and one month later, it's available. You know. Instead of uh, like we would say, ah, we're working on let's say uh, 450, you know, and then probably in two years or three years it's in the market. So we we just play around and see. And and also by by the way, there's there's other things uh, in the hobby, you know, I don't know, maybe blades or or something like this. You know, there could be also other possibility. It's it's a wide range, and we have so many good contacts as we worked closely with ESC manufacturers, with motor manufacturers, with blade manufacturers. So. The world is open, you know, so we'll see. Excellent. So it, to our listeners, if there's someone in the market for a new helicopter and they're shopping around, why should they consider Tron? What sets Tron apart from the other great brands in the hobby? Audio first, again. <laughs> I would say uh, because of the team behind, we are a very young, dynamic team. We keep going. The products are well-tested. Um, yeah, I think I can I can add one thing here, uh, which which I'm not telling from from our side or my side, but what people reported to us who who purchased it from and and was flying it for some time. I mean, there are so many great models from other manufacturers out, and I think nowadays there is there is no bad helicopter in the market. All of them are very beautiful and excellent and fly perfectly. But again, what what people told us after like switching to Tron or flying Tron, they reported back that for some reason, the model feels from the very first second they fly, very connected and uh, comfortable, linear, and they they say they somehow improved the flying faster than they did with probably an, another helicopter they had before, without saying any brand, but they feel very comfortable from the very, very beginning. This could be maybe a point, and uh, yeah, I think also the, the whole package. You know, it's 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 like not a complete new, brand new 
helicopter, all totally different than you ever have seen before. Helicopter is a helicopter. It has a frame, it has a landing gear mostly, it has a, a head and a tail. But I think they look also kind of uh, modern, like a little bit uh, fashionable, maybe you can call it. They pop out a little bit with uh, bright colors. But yeah, yeah, something like this, eh? to do advertisement a bit of us. <laughs> Yeah, the uh, the I have to say the seven point has really impressed me. That drivetrain is so quiet and smooth; it's really impressive. Thanks. All of your electric helicopters, uh, or actually all your helicopters to date, are belt drive tails. Any thoughts about a torque tube mm -hmm. down the line, or is that not Tron's philosophy? I think not. Hmm. Not not anymore. No. From it from many aspects. Sense. Yeah. You know, an easy point is like if you are especially a beginner and then you, you're not very uh, probably uh, familiar with landing or takeoff. And the thing is always with the torque tube, if your tail hits the ground, even softly, mostly you, you get rid of the, of the gears. And then it, it's probably spin around and, and maybe crash badly or also for repairing, you know, where the, the belt is more forgiven. I would say, you know, in terms of, uh, especially if you are a beginner or, or sometimes also still have a crash. And uh, I think the sound is also nicer than with the torque tube, but especially I think it's the durability and the part count is lower and the cost for the end user is, is lower too in terms of if you crash. So I think torque tube will uh, not be in our portfolio. No, okay. I would say no. I have to say, I own one torque tube helicopter, and after a really minor, uh, I don't know if I would even use the word crash, I will never buy one again, because <laughs> it's been a pain, it's been a thorn in my side, it, it's what I would call my problem child, it's the one that always needs one more little fix, so mm -hmm. glad to hear it. Mm -hmm. All right, almost at the last question here, and then I'm going to give you the floor to say whatever you like, but before that I got one last question. Now, I promise I'm not trying to start any drama with this question, but it just feels like the right thing to do is to ask it. So there's still some folks out there who haven't given Tron a fair chance based on what they perceive, and I'm not taking sides here, to be a little bit of a contentious past between you know Yin Helicopters and the Synergy brand and Matt Botas. So I, I don't want to dig into that debate or that relationship, but I am curious, you know, what do you have to say to those folks who haven't considered Tron, you know, because of that situation. Hmm. I will just comment shortly on this. I really don't want to really go into this as it is uh, a past. And uh, to to name uh, the beginning, it was really tough when we started this because it was we was love helicopter and we had a big big hope in this project and it was fully motivated and we get uh, yeah it, it was we get pulled in something which was none of my or Dario's business, you know, because again, I am not associated at all and even Dario with, with that past, you know. We we yeah. had our own brand, which we we built and we dragged, we get dragged into it. And then uh, also COVID started, we had no chance to expose ourselves, to show the product just in Facebook or uh, like in the forums. It was very, very difficult. And uh, yeah, I think people agreed uh, after some time that Probably it was uh, not always correct what happened in the past that we get uh, pulled so deep into something which was basically none of our business. 
But beside of this, uh, I think uh, if you look at from now, what, what you get, uh, what we did, uh, you look at the models, I think, uh, uh, I hope people will enjoy and people will will uh, will move forward and uh, will will also sooner or later, those few who still like uh, cannot accept it or will, uh, will, will see the, the, the product is actually not what it was uh, sometime at the beginning called for. That's it. But I, otherwise, I will I will not talk uh, more about this story. I, I, it wasn't none of my business, you know, none of my business. Yeah. No, and I apologize if I, if I made anybody uncomfortable. But I think the takeaway for me here is that, you know, two out of the three founders are well outside of that situation. And a lot of the driving design force is outside of that situation. So... You know, I think folks should should really honestly give Tron a fair shake here. You've got some incredible models in the lineup, as I've said, that are all performing well. One thing I don't see anywhere on forums, and I see it about a lot of other brands, are people complaining about Trons. You know, my tail failed, or this isn't working, or, you know, I was sent a poorly manufactured part. I just, I haven't seen a lot of those complaints. I mean, I'm sure, you know, like any manufacturer, you have, you know, customer service requests that come to you. but it's important mm -hmm. to note when you're thinking about a brand what you haven't heard uh, out in public, because we've certainly heard a lot of complaints about some other brands manufacturing uh, or issues or having to release parts after the helicopter has been released to catch up to, you know, what may be a lack of testing. And I'm not naming mm -hmm. any names, mm -hmm. but but I think that speaks volumes that uh, you've had such successful releases. Yeah, thanks. But I mean, to be honest, we also have sometimes a small issue. Everybody, every manufacturer, with the world, even if you buy a Rolls Royce, uh, once a while something fails. It's it's just normal. But I think it's it's important that people uh, understand this, and I think it's important how the manufacturer act on on an issue uh, if if there is an issue. And uh, I think that's the most important stuff. But yeah, I I am agreed, and I'm happy to hear this from your side. There's not much complaint. We have uh, very few support cases, but uh, I would I would be. Uh, not honest to you if we never had also an issue, you know, there is also sometimes an issue, but it's normal. It's it's just the way it is because it's it's still a, an RC helicopter. It's not a, a NASA rocket, you know, even they yeah. fail sometimes. Eh? So, yeah. <laughs> no, I agree. Uh, you know, a little bit's normal. And I also really agree. And I'm glad to hear you say it's all about how you respond to it, right? When XL Power had a tail shaft issue earlier this year, you know, they very quickly had a new prototype in the hands of test pilots who put in hundreds of flights on it in a ridiculously short amount of time and then got mm -hmm. the part sent out to everybody. And that means a lot to people that, you know, people, you know, take care of a fix like that. So uh, glad to hear you say that as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, lastly, uh, the last thing we like to give everyone here that comes on the podcast is a chance to say whatever you want. We'll give both of you the floor. You've got, you know, all of our listeners who are dedicated RC helicopter enthusiasts say anything you like. The floor is yours. Audio. I was first. <laughs> Joachim, you want to go first? You, you give it back to me. Okay, I, I do it first this time. So you see, at the end of the day, we are very happy that uh, people enjoying our models, that people giving us uh, good good answers, good feedback back, and uh, uh, like uh, how, how our model uh, behaves, how they work, how they fly, the quality, the outlook. And that we pop out a little bit sometime, and uh, yeah, remember it's 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 a hobby, and uh, I would say almost all of the manufacturers out here do it for the love of the hobby to give back something to people, and uh, 
yeah, to have fun and enjoy and uh, be happy to to receive a lot of positive feedback recently uh, about about our product and uh, yeah, thanks for the attention and thanks for the support of of our brand. Dario, well, any well thoughts? Said. Yeah, well said. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> what about? Uh, I know you were just both recently at Rotor Live. Uh, anything fun you learned there or saw there or, or want to talk about from Rotor Live? Rotor Live is always, uh, it's a lot of fun to meet all the people, to talk with them, to enjoy the time together. Yeah, it's, it's really great. It was a really great event. Yes, yes. Especially after this COVID time, you know, we haven't seen uh, all, those, all those people for, uh, for a long time. Uh, in in person, I would say the last three years, nothing was really going on in in Europe. Big like like Roto Life was cancelled all the time, and you know it was nice. Uh, miniature aircraft had a new helicopter. Axel Power had new helicopters. Uh, SAB uh, show up the new uh, what was it? The Raw Five Five Point yeah. Oh or Five Hundred size, and uh, we had some stuff uh, for for sure, and and. Uh, uh, Mikado show new product. This this was make us very happy, you know. That it's 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 definitely it's definitely new new power you feel in in the hobby, you know. And the manufacturers doesn't matter who releasing new product doesn't matter. It's it's Nova, Scorpion, or, or YTE or or Contronic or or whoever, you know. There was many new products which which was uh, very very nice to see, you know. That it's it's something going on, and and it's definitely people. Many sectors are not sleeping, even in, in this difficult time with all the, uh, the past two, three years with the COVID and the, and the material and, and the manufacturing issues we had uh, on, on others had too. So it does make us happy and for sure to, to meet all the, the old, uh, the old friend, you know, those many pilots or, or, or manufacturers. Yeah. It was nice. It was nice. Definitely. Uh, that's great. That's good to hear. Uh, we love seeing that whole scene and the fun flies and all of it start to build back up. Got a long way to go, but uh, it's great to see that momentum and, and people coming together again. Uh, but speaking of people coming together, if uh, there are folks in the community that have questions for Tron, uh, what's the best way mm -hmm. for them to to get a hold of you or to get a hold of someone at Tron to speak to you about those? Yeah, so we have we have a beautiful made uh, homepage. I don't know if you've ever been on, on our page. Uh, there you can uh, find email address for support if you need help. But for sure, also we are very active in, in Facebook. We have uh, our Facebook group, Ron official group. I forget even the name right now. But yeah, <laughs> Facebook too. But you see, if, 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 this are, if those are technical questions, emails for sure are better than Facebook because we get so many uh, messages. And uh, if people send Ricky, me or Dario, uh, text messages in Facebook sometimes a little bit difficult, but I think the forum, the, the Tron official group is a very good place or our Facebook uh, official company page or otherwise email. And uh, for sure, our our uh, lovely dealers all around the world. In the US, we have uh, a main and HeliDirect, which also do, we call it first level support. And uh, also, people can reach out to our team pilots because our team pilots are instructed to help people. So if you have uh, setup questions, uh, for sure, the team pilots also is, is a good uh, a good address to reach out to them. Yeah, 
So plenty of, of choices actually to, to get in touch with us. Now that's great. That's great to hear. Well, listen, I want to say uh, a huge thank you from everyone at RC Heli Nation uh, for you gentlemen coming on. It's, it's fantastic to hear straight from a manufacturer. I, I, I really appreciate having that access and getting to hear from the people behind the brands, getting to hear about your passion, which you're clearly both very passionate about helicopters, uh, hearing the enthusiasm, learning a little bit about the design process. It's just great. I, I, I applaud you for coming on and very much appreciate it. So thanks very much. Yeah, thank thanks you. to you. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot also for, for giving yeah. us the chance to talk and to, to give back some love to the, the people and to the, the supporters for sure. Yes. Yeah, so from my side, thanks for the interesting interview and offering us this platform. So that was uh, the interview. I'm sorry y'all weren't there to join us as well. Uh, we are going to get those technical difficulties ironed out. It was just one of those, like, you try something for the first time internationally and it just it just doesn't work with our primary platform. So it ended up being uh, just me with the gents. But uh, I know some of you have had a chance to listen to it. Some of you haven't. But uh, what, 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 uh, what did we think about the interview? I think it's cool that we can get a little deeper insight from the developers. You know, I... As I've been seeing the ads for Tron come up and this and that, I've always thought, dude, this is a really cool looking helicopter. And to learn a little bit more about how uh, they go about the build. Like uh, there's that part uh, we were you were talking about how, um, or they were talking about how like the development process is so like, they have the, the helis almost pre-planned like and before they go into production, you know, they already kind of have a roadmap assigned. And I think that's really cool. You know, I mean, I think all most manufacturers do that on some level, you know what I'm saying? Um, but, you know, I know from the marketing materials and just starting to see some things come up with the like the, the neutron nitro, the nitron and stuff like that. It, it just looks like that's, it's a very well refined machine. You know what I'm saying? So I say I, I I kudos to them and to the brand, you know, I think it's really cool. You know, the, the big takeaways for me that I really enjoyed, well, the, the first one, and, and we were actually just kind of talking about this offline as a group, is that I really appreciate and I'm, I'm drawn to brands that have a face behind them, right? So, like, I love that two of the founders of the three of Tron came on to talk to us, right? We've gotten to meet them. We learned a little bit about their history, about, you know, their history in the hobby. Like, I'm much more inclined to buy a helicopter from a brand with a face I've gotten to know a little bit. Whether that's, you know, Vincent at Ego Drift or, you know, Kyle Dahl at Scorpion or, you know, and any number of the many examples we have in the hobby. Like, I'm just, I feel like when I get to know someone and see their passion or hear their passion for the hobby, it, it makes me more interested in supporting them as a vendor. So uh, yeah. that was really fun. You know, what Rob just touched on, listening to them talk about their sort of roadmap. You know, and, and if you think about it, in a really short amount of time, they've released a 550, a 580, uh, the Nitron 90 size, the Nitron 50 size, they've got the lightweight 700 coming, the 700 electric, you know, all those models came out in the space of about three years, um, which is impressive for a brand new company uh, to get that much out. And it sounds like they really had a, a strong roadmap for that. They, they knew the models they were planning on releasing well ahead of time. Uh, they knew that, you know, they planned on them sharing a certain amount of parts uh, where it made sense. Certainly didn't compromise any, any design issues to get them to share parts, but 
but they really, you know, had a solid plan and have executed it really well. Not only that, um, the thing that I enjoyed hearing about, I always enjoy about how people develop helicopters. Uh, so the fact that in Switzerland they have, you know, they certainly design collaboratively amongst the three of them, as they said, but the fact that they can essentially rapid prototype, so they can create a new design concept, Dario has access to CNC machines, they can fabricate a new part in short order, throw it in a helicopter, and, you know, meet firsthand in person with their test pilots and hammer on the things and then evaluate them and decide, you know, well, how to move forwards is fantastic. And it's allowed them to move very quickly. They're not waiting for shipping from China to come in, you know, with new parts in order to test them on yeah, a regular cool. basis. So, uh, so that was really cool for me. I also really enjoyed, you know, I think, you know, with Tron coming into the hobby so recently, it was uh, kind of a unique chance to say, how's the hobby doing? How's the health of the hobby? And getting a chance to, to talk to the guys about that. And uh, this one was a conversation. So we, we touched on pricing of helicopters a little bit in the interview. And, you know, they mentioned that the current price of the average 700 is really too low. The margins are really tight. Uh, it would certainly be great. And I think, you know, he mentioned all of the manufacturers at RotorLive were, were chatting together, you know, Raw from XL and, and Stefano from SAB. And, you know, all those guys were, were hanging out. They all get along very well, it sounds like. And talking about how pricing is an issue. Costs of everything are going up, but it's very hard for them to charge more. And when they do raise prices, they get skewered in the helicopter community. In fact, I was looking around HeliFreak this afternoon, and there's a thread about the price of the Oxy Flash, which I think is priced very fairly for the record. Uh, and someone complaining about that and how it should be you know, way cheaper for some carbon frames and a few CNC parts. I'm like, I don't think people realize how little profit there is. That you literally may only sell 200 to 500 kits of some of these things and if you look at the profit margins and how small they are like that's not a sustainable business so yeah certainly hearing from you know yukim and dario like it's all about the passion for them nobody's in this for the money it's all about passion you know the margins are just poor and, and no one's making a ton of money so it, i don't know it was great to meet and chat with two folks who were clearly super passionate about the hobby uh, really passionate about designing and releasing great helicopters. And uh, I don't know, it definitely made me feel like uh, it's a brand I will very strongly consider in the future. I felt really good about them afterwards. It was great. It was great to meet them. Yeah, I can, your, their love for the hobby. Um, I never really knew them when they released the Tron helicopter. No one really did at that point too much. New, you know, newer brand trying to get a footing. But when I was in the Netherlands, I got to meet some of them face-to-face -face, uh, with a good friend of mine who knows them very well, Jim Boss. And they were so in-depth with how much you could, you could see how much they loved helicopters and they loved what they did and they had a, such a big passion for it. And when you would talk about the helicopters that they were designing, they would love to tell you as, as much as they can, right? For especially for a newer helicopter, as much as they can tell you, because when you have a prototype helicopter, of course, really nothing is set in stone. So, and they just love to talk about it. And it was very cool to see that side of it and see how into it they were. And a lot of the, I know a lot of the owners are like that and, and some owners aren't like that. And, but most of them are as passionate as they were. So it was good to see another passionate brand in the hobby. Yeah. We're, uh, we're really fortunate. And it was fun to hear them say, too, how excited they are to see so many other manufacturers releasing helicopters. You know, whether people realize it or not, 
these guys are all really friendly with each other. They're all happy that all of these manufacturers are still in the hobby and that they're still releasing new models and they're all excited to see each other succeed, which is great. Yeah, which is what it's all about, really, right? Yeah. I mean, they're essentially modelers just like us. They just also decided to start a business, not to make a ton of money, but to help enjoy another part of the hobby, which is designing helicopters for other people to enjoy. Um, yes. And then lastly, and I don't want the episode to be about this. That was never our intention. But, you know, we did touch on the issue about folks who maybe have some reservations about purchasing a Tron kit because of, you know, and again, I don't want to choose a side here or get into it. But, you know, the situation between Yin Helicopters and Matt Botos of Synergy, uh, Ricky Yin is the third partner there who uh, does their manufacturing in uh, China. And it was interesting talking to these gentlemen about it and just asking them their take on it. You know, really, if, out of the three founders, this issue was really with only one of them. You know, I don't want to get into the he said, she said, but I, I will say that, you know, maybe early on, I was one of those people who had some reservations and I walked away after meeting these two gentlemen and listening to them. And I hope this convinces some other listeners who are feeling really good about trying a Tron helicopter. Like, I don't have any reservations anymore. I feel like I understand the situation, that it's not all of them, that it's not the whole brand, that it's just, you know, the manufacturing end was potentially involved in a, in a debate over ownership is essentially what this works out to. So, you know, keep an open mind, um, listen, you know, openly, uh, get to meet these gentlemen and, and make up your own mind. But uh, I, uh, you know, I'm trying really hard not to buy another helicopter this year, but I definitely see a Tron helicopter in my future at some point. I don't know when, but uh, I don't know. They just seem like great guys and I'd love to support them. Yeah. With that, Scott, I look forward to hearing your thoughts on the Nitron 90 when you get a chance to uh, dig into the kit. And, you and uh, me both. <laughs> you want to ship you it and you can build it for me? Uh, dude, you don't want me building a Nitro for the first time for you. <laughs> just the helicopter part. Like, I'll do the engine part and everything. I just need, I need someone to come build my head and tail. <laughs> <laughs> if you know me and you live within an hour of my house and you're bored as shit, Please come over and build my helicopter. <laughs> I can do the rest. I just need some help. Oh, I feel you, dude. Like, life with kids is hard. Uh, we really got to get this balance episode done. We, we're anxious to do this episode talking about balancing life and the hobby and its challenges, but I really, we really want Dan included, so we're waiting for Dan to, to be at the point he can join us for a whole episode. And then, uh, which he tried to rally today, but just didn't quite make it with us today. But uh, we're certainly thinking of you, Dan, and looking forward to your return so we can all hear less of me, including me, who would like to hear less of me. All right. Anybody else got any other uh, thoughts on Tron before we wrap things up this week? One of the coolest names in the helicopter brands, I think, Tron. You know I'd what, like to know Rob? how they came up with the name. I know. And halfway through the interview i was going i gotta ask him where the name tron came from i gotta ask him and then they said something interesting about something else and i was like "Ooh, squirrel oh. <laughs> and, and i just completely lost the question and after we hung up i was like damn it i didn't ask rob's question um so i apologize for that one rob sorry about that no that's okay the enigma is intriguing uh, anyway but it is a great question so i'm gonna have to reach out to them and go where did the name tron come from i'll hit up uh Joachim in a minute and ask him Hopefully it's not uh, something boring like, my dog's name was Tron and he died, so I named the helicopter after him. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> Could be they loved the movie. Anything's possible. Well, on that note, it seems like a perfect time to wrap up this episode. All right. So as usual, if you want to get a hold of Dan, you can do so at dan at rchnv3.com via email or find him in the depths of Facebook at Dank Reed. You can hit me up at nickwisdom at rchnv3.com or on Facebook at nickwisdomrc. 
Scott. Yo, how come you get your last name in it and I don't? You know why? Because they wanted, or Dan was afraid that people would confuse me with Nick Len, and he wanted to make sure people understood that Nick wasn't coming back because he didn't want them to be deeply, deeply disappointed when they realized it was me. Yeah, but when they read your last name, they are deeply, deeply, never mind. So if you'd like to get in contact with me, you can email Nick Lynn at, I'm just kidding, Scott at rchnv3.com. You can find me on Facebook. I am fully caught up now. Um, Probably not a good idea to email me. I'm pretty behind there. You can find me on Instagram. Guaranteed I'll ignore that. I don't even have the app anymore. (laughs) Okay. Sounds like a downfall here. Like, it does. just keeps getting uh, worse. <laughs> dude, don't fault the man. He's trying to make a living here. OnlyFans is taking up all his time. Right? Thanks, Devin. On that note, Devin, if someone wants to get a hold of your shaft, how do they uh, reach out to you? <laughs> they send him pictures of their feet in toeless socks. <laughs> <laughs> well, my shaft is unavailable. You can hit me up on Facebook at Devin McClellan, or you can hit, email me at Devin at RCHNV3.com. And Rob, what about you? My method of contact is slightly more helpful than others. I think maybe we'll see. Um, it, it does involve a Sharpie, so you need to stuff one of those in your pocket, bring it with you. But I want you to go to Scott's house and help him build the head uh, and the tail on his Nitron so that he can get that fucker done. But while he's not looking, break out the Sharpie and write your question on the inside of his canopy. And then when he's finishing up the build and he goes for that first maiden, he'll see there's something weird written in there and, and he'll know that that's a question for me. And uh, maybe he'll tell me the question or maybe he'll get mad because I had somebody write on his beautifully painted canopy. Um, but if you uh, don't feel like branching on his heli or um, you are sick of all the Sharpie fumes because you've been trying to get a hold of me, you could just email me instead at our rob at rchnv3.com, uh, Facebook at R- or nextgenrcfb, uh, Instagram at nextgenrc, or youtube.com slash nextgenrc. All right, with that, this has been episode 33 of Visit with Tron Helicopters. As always, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. now they're only going to be released in two blade sets uh, but if you're in the market for maybe something a little longer and uh, want to reduce your disc loading just a little bit definitely uh, check those out they should be out any day now all right Big. and <laughs> well there goes a cat big oh well that was fucking great all right continue big that's my favorite comment so far. <laughs> Big. All right. I want to see what one word answer you got for this one. In my defense, I'm tired and I'm solo parenting. <laughs> <laughs> he's ready for bed. It's just, he's like, let's, let's just do That's this. A, Get it over with. Excuse. Yeah. Also, I just edit out all the shit where I sound dumb, which is most of the show. <laughs> well, goddamn, then you're never going to be talking at all. Well, that's why the episodes are so short. And then speak it. I know. (laughs) (laughs) 
but I feel sorry to do it in your ear, unlike some people. There are aspects where you hope it's big, and then there's aspects where you don't hope it's big. Aspects? (laughs) (laughs) When Nick is going to edit it, he could just be like, all right, chop here to here, because that's when Rob and Devin are doing their dumb stuff. (laughs) And uh, it's really easy to edit it out if I stay quiet. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, I leave the dumb shit in all the time. Anyway, 